force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. You have that power too. Welcome to the Star Wars Forum UK podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner and this is episode 13, Every Saga Has an Ending. Joining me tonight is the usual rogue squadron. First up from the desolate and bleak north of the country is our loose vintage to modern collector, Richard Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. Evening, guys. Next up is our foreign contingent from the podcast, our resident Welshman and oddball fanatic, Grant Criddle. Good evening, sir. Hey, guys. And I'm sure all desperate to hear how his pregnant Padme collection is coming along. Peter Davis, good evening, PD. I think I've got them all. <laughs> well done. I look forward to that in the uh, latest acquisitions. And finally, our marathon running machine, who has a passion for Luke X-Wings. It's good evening, Jez. Hello, everyone. Well, it feels like an age since we last recorded. And since episode 12, three of the boys have been to Celebration Anaheim, which we'll be hearing lots more about over the course of this show. Now, I'm expecting, while you boys are out there, to have added some lovely purchases. So, Pete, what have you added to your collection? Well, I've started my micro collection, and I got myself a nice little uh, Bespin set. And that was from our friends at the uh, the Bounty Hunter podcast and their Krypton Comics sponsor. They were really good. I bought a few car backs and stuff from them. I also bought from our ex-guest, uh, Bruce White, a nice Empire Strikes Back Princess Leia on a... Um, a card, a little bit, little bit yellow in the bubble. It's a forty-one back, and I bought a lot of this bit, just bits and pieces, really. Nice, nice. And which best bin set was it? Your micro collection. It's the little, the little one. Bestman control room. It's, uh, it's not mint, mint, but it's in its box. It's complete. Nice. Well, I look forward to watching that grow. Grant. Uh, yeah, it looks like I've lost touch with reality a bit here, man. It's amazing what a trailer can do to you. But I've spent an absolute fortune. I made a list of stuff I picked up, but I've, I thought this is going to go on forever. So what I have done is I've, I've got 19 autographs from two conventions, which is a lot of autographs for an autograph collector. I uh, managed to pick up a 31-back Luke Bespin on the Empire card. I'm really happy with that. I got a uh, Kim Simmons TIE Fighter Pilot slide, which is really nice, and loads of other just bits and bobs. It's uh, Yeah, it's getting a bit crazy here. Any standout autographs? Lorne Peterson and Steve Gawley were, were big ones for me, and yeah, it was amazing to spend some time t- and chat to them. Wonderful. Uh, Wes, um, um, Jez. <laughs> you can call me Wes if you want, Lou. <laughs> don't know where that came from. <laughs> um, well, we did say that this was going to be a shorter podcast, potentially, so um, maybe I'm not going to go into absolutely everything I picked up, but my Luke X-Wing focus is, um, is pretty much doubled in size. I, I was really, really pleased to pick up uh, um, Empire Strikes Back Luke X-Wing on cards, which 
Ian Sanderson had um, managed to act as a middleman for me, which was uh, brilliant. Thanks very much, mate. And um, I ended up getting two more from Todd Chamberlain. I got a 79-back Anakin offer on card and a 77-back, which, uh, which are great. So I've now gone from four up to seven. But I also managed to get myself some bootlegs. So I got first and second generation Polish bootlegs. And I got an extra one thrown in, which looks like... Um, well, it looks like Dak from the Snowspeeder just after he's been stood on. This one's got some serious battle damage. I've got some card backs um, and a coin. Got a Leah um, Minton card, Hoth. I got a Short Mouth Biker Scout Minton card. Um, and I've got some Malcolm Tween artwork and a few other random bits of Swaggeroo. Lovely. So some great additions there. Now, Rich, you and I were unable to attend Anaheim. So have you compensated by spending wildly? Well, Stu, the summer holidays are coming up soon, so all of my um, savings has to go into the family holiday. So I haven't got a lot for this month. Um, <laughs> yep, here we go. <laughs> 28 Corda Bendems, 3 Micro Machine Sets, an Ewok Battle Wagon, a 12-inch IG-88, the final two stands to complete my Palatoy desktop playset, the Palatoy Droid Factory, the R2 Cylinder for the Dagobah playset, a C-3PO Sigma Mug, a boxed Y-Wing, Wampa, boxed MLC-3, boxed Vehicle Maintenance Energizer, the boxed Radar Leader Cannon, loose B-Wing and Pilot, loose Tie Interceptor and Tie Fighter Pilot, Diecast Cloud Car, Diecast Snow Speeder, Diecast Slave 1, loose EST-5, loose MTB-7, loose Radar Laser Cannon, a loose Speeder Bike, Matthias is a new proof book, Darren Simpson and Graham Hughes Anime, Anaheim Helix Pencil Sharpness Coin, and about eight Marvel Comics. So it's a generation seen. game, Rich. You name all these in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> there was quite a lot of box stuff going on in there, wasn't there? Yep, there is. Um, and I only wanted the Y-Wings, so everything on there I'll be looking at and thinking, well, you know, what can I swap over in my collection and get rid of that box tat? Can you imagine, though, if he was at Anaheim and he gets all the badges? You know, you get like 100 badges given out of swag. He would name <laughs> every single one of those badges. He would, he would. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like name everything I got. I just went, went over it quickly. But Rich, I, I think we need to start the, at the top. Twenty-eight Bendems was that? Twenty-eight Bendems. I've, I've now got fifteen. <laughs> hang, hang, hang on, let's just pause there. Yeah. Twenty-eight Bendems. There are not twenty-eight Bendems, but obviously you've gone and bought. Army Builder. <laughs> yeah, have you gone a bit Army Builder on the on the Bendems? Tell you about Empire's Royal Guard is one of the favourite figures I've ever seen. What a fantastic Bendem. Interesting. Stu, what about you, buddy? Any Bendems? Um, <laughs> no bendings for me, but before oh. I start my, um, my latest acquisitions, I'd just like to play a short clip from episode 3, if that's alright. I've been looking at those um, 12 ceramic mugs that you've been talking about, and I've noticed that two or three of them have wooden handles on them. Now, wood's not something that you see very commonly associated with Star Wars. Um, is this the only time you can think of that wood has actually been incorporated into a Star Wars product? And why do you think they've used wood for the handles when the others are all done in ceramic? Right. Now, um, I have recently completed the Sigma character mugs, picking up the last seven. And I can now categorically state, Rich, have a listen to that clip, that none, not one, has a wooden handle. They do not have wooden handles, pal. What? Rich, uh, you're going to apologise again to the to the Rich. listeners. Rich, yes, I'm, I'll, I'll apologise. I'm, I'm quite upset about this. Well, I'm not really upset, but yes, I apologise. Um, there's I'm certainly upset. some guy's YouTube video needs corrected now. <laughs> no, yeah, I've got all 12 of them now, and uh, they are a bit weird, some of them, but they're all good. Um, I've also picked up a couple of 
Polish third generation bootlegs um, at that driver and a Hanhoff. Now, a couple of months ago, Grant, you were messing around with my wife, and you also messed around with my mother-in-law as well, weren't you? Because, it was. Uh, it was a she mad She bought time. me a, a Palatoy Emperor mail away as well for my yeah. birthday. Yeah. Um, I bought some Return of the Jedi curtains, which are in the packet, which I was going to put up in my, my main cave, but they're sealed, so I kind of like think, no. Um, I've got a wooden sign from Frank's wife made up for me, um, the trash compactor with the snake on it, or whatever, the Diagnoga, I better call it. And then I've got a, bought a Trilogo Emperor, a Return of the Jedi IG-88, and a 41-back Greedo. And I met Paul Blake today, so I've got Greedo's autograph as well. So all good, my end. Well, I'm glad that we were all buying tons and tons of Star Wars. It's ridiculous. Right then, so on to this month's question then, if no one's bought anything else. Okay, the question for this month. Now, when I first thought of this question, I thought, wow, this is the best question that is ever going to be asked on the podcast. As in, you know, like, put your hands on the table and hold it now because you may fall on the floor. When I started doing the research to answer the question, though, I have spent hours and hours and hours and I'm still not convinced that I've got all the right answers. Okay, so I'm going to do my best. Here we go. Which vintage Star Wars figures do not appear on any box of any vehicle ship, mini rig, or playset. Now, because you lot are so absolutely useless at these kind of quizzes, we may have to give you two chances, okay? So, the order I'm going to go in is as you are on my screen. So it's Pete, Stu, So was me Jeff. first! Well, you're the first on my screen, okay? I never get so, to think! Right, you've had your time. Give me any. It's my thinking time. I'm, I'm thinking time. <laughs> I have contacted guys from all over the world to get the answers to this question, believe it or not. <laughs> Are those guys uh, Star Wars fans? No, they weren't actually. They didn't know what I was talking about. No. So the question again. I've forgotten already. Right. Which, <laughs> which Star Wars vintage figures have hmm? not appeared on any box of a playset, a vehicle, or a ship, or a mini rig? Um, I'm going to go for Imperial Dignitary. The Imperial Dignitary... <laughs> Look, I'll just check my little list here. Oh, and check his little list. Yep. You know I, I agree, Pete. I don't think that's popped up on anything. You don't think so? No. And oh, you yeah, are incorrect. Was... The Imperial didn't reappear on the A-Wing box, yeah. so that's minus one for Pete. <laughs> minus one, and for yep. Stu as well. Okay, who's next? Stu, take it away, Stu. I'm going to go with um, Yak Face. Oh. Correct. One for Stu. Grant. Black Bespin Guard. Damn it! Racist. The Black Bespin God, I looked for lots and lots of boxes and I could not find him anywhere. No. Until. Oh! Until I checked the Rebel Troop Transport and he's in there. He is Ooh. in the Rebel Troop Transport. So that's a minus one for Grant. Yes? Ready? Mm hmm. Warwick. Warwick. The, the Ewoks are quite difficult actually when you had to um, work out which Ewok was which, but you're correct. Cut to the chase, could, Rich. Am I right I could or am not I wrong? You are right. I couldn't find Warwick on any box. So that's plus one for Jez. Okay, so Jez and Stu are in the lead here. Back to Pete. Pop-up Sabah. Yes, you're too deep with pop-up Sabah. You were correct. Oh! Stu? I'm not sure whether this is on the the dungeon or not, but I'm going to go EV99. Yes, you've just answered the question. It was on the dungeon, so you've lost your point. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. Was he really? Yep, he was. He was on I the... know that. <laughs> and I'm rubbish. There were two there were two of those dungeons, weren't there? And he was on the 
he was on the later one. Come on. Grant? Well, you see, these guys are just naming last 17 figures. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to go TIE Fighter Pilot. Correct. The TIE Fighter Pilot was not on any box that I could find, so that's um, one for Grant. Jez, to take a storm and lead? Let's say... Taplu? Oh, listen to him. It's like last seven. Just going Ewoks. <laughs> well, if he keeps going Ewoks, he's going to lose points. Yes, Paplu was not on any box, so that's two for Jez. Yes. Okay, back to Pete. What about um, a Leah Bush? What was about to bloody go for? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Leah Bush was on the Millennium Falcon box uh, to turn the Jedi, so you've lost that one. Uh, go for it now, Pete. Oh, he's lost um, a few. Up. Lando General. Good shout. Yep, the Lando General does not appear, so I think you've got two correct now. It's not Grant? a good shout. Naming the last 17 is not a good shout. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And uh, there's there's a really tricky one from um, the early figures that might be difficult for you to get. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, I got one from the early figures. That was a, that was a clue. Ooh. Um, ooh. Power Droid. No. The ah! Power Droid is ah. on the Sandcrawler. Uh, does that mean me and Peter out now? Yeah. Thank yep. God for that. Yeah. Grant is going to have a point, yeah? Yeah, but see you later. Yep. Jez is going to get a 100% record if he gets this one. Okay, I'm going to go for my character according to you guys last month, and I'm going to go for FX7. No, no, no. Oh, you oh, said it, you said it. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you've lost that one. Uh, FX7's uh, on the Atat box. Oh, no. It was, he yeah. wasn't even the one I wanted. Right, we've got... We've got a tie between Stu and Jez, okay, so one more each to, to take the crown. And if any <laughs> of you gets one of the earlier ones, then you get a double pointer. Oh, I've, I've got an idea. I've got an idea. I'm going to... Right. Uh, this is a guess. I'm going for the early ones. Really? I'm imagining you're saying it's first 21. So I'm going to say Red Snaggletooth. No, the Reg- Reb- Snaggletooth is in the Rebel Transport, which most of these figures are. The Rebel Tooth Transport. Jez, to take the crown... What's he doing in the Rebel Transport? I'm going to go for it again. I'm going to try and get the right one this time. 2-1-B? <laughs> 2-1-B. Um, no, 2-1-B is also in the Rebel Truth Transport. Oh, oh, Back to Stu. <laughs> um, oh, first 20s, early figures. Obi, oh, no. That's oh, oh, you said oh, it, you said oh, it. Oh, no, Obi Kenobi's on just about every box going. <laughs> so that one's out. Jez? Um, Forlom? No, Forlom is... In the Rebel Transport. He's probably in that Rebel Tube Transport as well, yeah. It seemed to be the place to go back in the days. Yes, he was. He was in the Rebel Tube Transport. Stu? Sorry, I'm muted. Anakin? Yeah, nice easy shout there. Anakin did not appear on any box. Okay, so that's one to Stu. Jez, get this one wrong, you're out. Okay. (laughs) So I could go for the last 17 and think, yeah, fair one. Or I could go early and say something like... Not that one. Not that one. Oh, no. Think, just avoid that one. That's not going to happen. Yeah, not that one, Jez. Right. How about... Oh, no. no or that one. That's a real bad one. <laughs> That's definitely on a box. So I'm not doing anything one. rude here. Oh, I think I've got the early one. Reyes. Reyes. Ooh. Um, I would imagine he would be on the Jabba set. He's, yeah, not. he's not. What do you mean, imagine? Nah. We want facts, Rich. He's <laughs> on the Millennium Falcon box for the turn of the Jedi. Oh. oh. 
Okay, so Stu, it's with great pleasure that I crown you king of the quiz. I, for this. Was it was it the Death Star droid? It was the Death Star droid. Yeah, I man. could not find the Death Star droid anyway. I looked on every side of the Rebel Truth Transport. I do not know why he wasn't uh, he wasn't included on that box. So if anybody knows, um, send us an email at swfukpodcast@gmail.com. But the Death Star droid was the only early figures that was not on that box. What? Well, um, what box was uh, the Tuscan Raider on? The Tuscan Yes. Yeah. See, what a cheeky little monkey. Yeah. Um, so the ones that he didn't get, just to quickly run through, three PO removable limbs, but obviously that would have been a different one to spot anyway. Um, ATST driver, Tebow, Lumat. The ATST driver, I think, is inside, but you can't see him. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not on there. <laughs> the Rancor Keeper, which bizarrely was not in the Rancor box. Oh. Um, Luke Skywalker and his Battle Poncho. Han Solo and Carbonite Chamber. Luke Skywalker, Imperial Stormtrooper outfit. I think somebody said Anakin, and that was the lot. Okay, so well done, guys. Actually, that you've put more effort into that one than any other quiz. Good question, Rich. Really I'm put more effort in. Well, what are we supposed to do? Guess or guess with effort? <laughs> Well, that puts our podcast over two hours long already. Yeah, Receiving feedback from a lot of current listeners and potential new ones in Anaheim, we've decided that this is our last SWF UK podcast. First and foremost, we'd like to thank Ed, the owner of Star Wars Forum UK, for the use of his intellectual property rights and support in getting the show off the ground. Next, we'd like to thank everyone who came on our show who were major contributors to its quality and success over the last 12 months. Finally, our listeners who downloaded the shows, followed and liked our Facebook posts, mentioned us on the forum, sent us emails and tweets, or just quietly listened to the show, we'd like to say a huge thank you to you, because without you lot, we would have never gotten the opportunities we found ourselves presented with. Thank you guys, and goodbye. And that's enough of that, because coming next month will be our brand new show, The Vintage Rebellion. A whole new show which follows the same format of the Star Wars Forum UK podcast, but are designed to branch out into all areas of vintage Star Wars collecting. We've listened to your feedback and removed any possible unintentional offensive logos and any niche branding which may limit our audience. Keep an eye on the forums, Twitter and Facebook for information on our brand new change, and we'll hope you'll join in the rebellion too. Gus and Duncan's new guide to Star Wars micro-collections. Joining us today are collecting legends Duncan Jenkins and Gus Lopez from the Star Wars Collectors Archive, which I have to say, guys, is the greatest and most important database in the whole galaxy. Good afternoon to you both. Thank you. Same to you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us on. 
Our listeners will know you and the quality of your work as authors of the Guide to Star Wars custom crew items, the Guide to Star Wars prototypes, and the Guide to Star Wars collectibles, which made millions of bookcases around the world cry out in fear. What they may be, una- <laughs> what they may be unaware of is the fourth collaboration in recent release book, Gus and Duncan's Guide to Star Wars Micro Collecting. So Duncan, why did you decide to write a book on the micro collection run? Yeah, it's uh, interesting. We When we first started writing the very first book, our uh, price guide, the comprehensive guide to Star Wars collectibles, we uh, decided that we wanted to do uh, kind of a long-term future projects. And so we brainstormed about a dozen or so book projects that uh, we would like to do after we completed the, uh, the first book. And uh, this was one of them. And the underlying theme from all of our books, really, is what are things that we have interest in? What are the types of books that we would like to see? What do we think there is, um, an, you know, an, an area that has not gotten a lot of attention and uh, could stand to have more information out there for the general uh, collecting audience? Gus, focusing on the toys for a moment, uh, do you think that they get the love and appreciation they deserve amongst collectors? For the topics that we do, yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I think that I think that you know, like of the stuff we cover, and uh, you know, I think among collectors, yeah, it does get a lot of appreciation. Uh, you know, these aren't again, as Duncan kind of covered, we're not going after necessarily big mainstream topics in Star Wars, but things that collect will really resonate with collectors. I, I certainly know that whenever we interview um, guests on the show, I'm asking the question, um, which unproduced kind of playset would you like to see? A lot of them talk about um, things like the carbon freezing chamber. Uh, and other playsets that were available in the micro collections, and they never seem to put the two together. But perhaps that's just a UK thing with them not being readily available over here. Yeah, I mean, I love you know with the micro collection, it's it's people kids didn't buy the micro collection, but today among collectors, there's just this huge appreciation for it. So that's you know that's why we're kind of interested in the topic. It's it's one of those things that wasn't very popular in its day, but now is really big among collectors, especially the unproduced items that never made it to market uh you know those are the, that's what one of the things that's fun to cover in the books because that you know that it's material that even as advanced collectors don't have a lot of reference to and we have a we're fortunate to have enough prototypes in our collections that we can share that with people and show them you know sets like the back to chamber from hoth or the torture chamber from bespin that were planned for the micro line don't mind getting back to the book and um, can you tell us a bit about it how is it divided into chapters and what will we see on the pages sure so the for those that don't know, the micro collection was divided up into different worlds or play sets that uh, you would get different sets and put them together. So there was a Death Star world and a Hoth world, um, and then there was a, a Bespin world, and then there were vehicles that came as well. Uh, so we divided the chapters up to, to match that. Uh, so the chapters are divided by... The different worlds, and then within that, they're divided again by the types of playsets, uh, by each playset that's in there. Um, and then we also have a section for things like the store displays and the C3PO serial promotion, different things that uh, were related to the micro collection. Within each one, we focus on first of all the packaging, give uh, pictures of each of the different sides of the boxes. Uh, and then the playsets itself, what do this, each of the sides of the playsets look like? And then the figures uh, detailing each 
uh, figure, both in the painted and unpainted forms. And so we go into a lot of detail uh, and photography for each type of uh, piece that comes from the micro collection. I've had a flick through some of the pages, um, Gus, and you mentioned before some of the unproduced um, Return of the Jedi line. What from that line do you think would have been most popular with children back in the 80s? You know, it's, it's hard to say exactly, but I think the uh, the stuff around Jabba's palace yeah. would have been very cool. Like, yeah. they, they were planning to do a throne room for Jabba's palace. They had a dungeon, which we have, you know, some representation in terms of prototypes of in the book, uh, same with the throne room. And then there was also a Rancor pit. They were going to do a Rancor and, and that whole scene. So they were going to have a bunch of interconnecting play sets for Jabba's palace. And I think that stuff would have been very, very cool. And I think would have been popular with kids because you would have gotten a lot of Jabba's, uh, you know, kind of henchmen and a- the alien creatures. You would have had a lot of really cool micro figures for different kinds of uh, alien creatures. And, uh, and and I think that, that would have been great with, with kids at the time. Um, you know, they were also planning an indoor playset for, you know, indoor playsets for that scene. And, you know, they probably would have had Ewoks, maybe the indoor bunker. Uh, and they were planning to have a Return of the Jedi Death Star. So there were other environments for Return of the Jedi. But I think the Jabba's Palace stuff would have been a hit with kids to the extent that the micro collection was a hit at the time. I do think overall the micro collection was way before its time. So, uh, but I, I think Jabba's Palace would have been popular for those that liked the micro collection. Yeah, the, the Gamorrean God in particular sticks out like a sore thumb for me. The detail on that is fantastic. Such a yes, great little sculpt. Absolutely. And the Jabba sculpt was great. There was a bunch yeah. of those they were planning that would have been great. Bib Fortuna was another one they were, they had sculpted. And those would have been great micro figures. Duncan, I, I tend to believe that books aren't written to make money. It's more for the love of research and presenting findings. Do you have any wow or did not know that moments that you'd like to share? Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. This is uh, definitely not funding our retirement or anything like that. Uh, it's definitely a, just a, a love of the collecting and wanting to share information that we're uh, doing this for. Yeah, a lot of the information that we have has been built up over the years as we've uh, talked with people that worked on the line or researched uh, you know, what's out there and doing the hunting ourselves. Uh, so a lot of the, you know, wow, I didn't know that moments have taken place earlier on before we actually sat down to to work on the book, um, you know, in, in earnest. But it was kind of interesting just to see as we began to put it together some of the things that are kind of, you know, it in the back of your mind, but you don't really think about it. Like it wasn't a very worldwide line. It was only the United States, Canada and Australia that had the micro collection um, and that there were just, you know, a few little variations on the, the boxing and the packaging that, uh, you know, kind of became interesting to me as I did some research there. Gus, about 50% of our listeners are from countries where these toys were not available, as Duncan's just said. Um, when I browsed the pages, I got the feeling that I was back in 1982 browsing a store catalogue of yet-to-be-unreleased items. Um, did you expect to put that kind of intention out? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's interesting. It was something, you know, when I started to network with collectors in the uh, early 90s, you know, people from other, other countries like in continental Europe or, you know, other parts of the world, so few countries got the micro collection and in many ways that's what i think makes it exotic to so actually some of the more avid collectors of the micro collection are people that are in countries that never had the micro collection available for them in their country and it was pretty limited 
uh, distribution worldwide. So even the play sets that they released in the U.S. were kind of exotic to people that, that, that didn't have it available in their countries. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's one of the fun things about even, and even people, by the way, even people in countries where they had the micro collection, so few collectors today who had Star Wars toys as a kid actually had the micro collection as a kid. Most of us did not. I never had micro collection toys. And a lot of my friends who collect now did not have micro collection at the time. So there's a nice, cool, nostalgic part of it is as you, people get back to it. Cause it's like this untapped, undiscovered line but it has a very, very strong appeal among collectors. That's really interesting, that, Gus, because I've just came back from um, the auction house Vectus with um, nine micro playsets. Uh, I'll tell you something, my Tetris skills are much better now, wrapping those and trying to fit them in a box without damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool that they had that many playsets available at that auction. Yeah, and all the size and shapes and trying to get them in a box, it was quite tricky. Duncan, finally, where can I purchase this book and how much does it cost? So our books are available at completestpublications.com. That's C-O-M-P-L-E-T-I-S-T, publications.com. And uh, the book, uh, the micro collection book, is $50. Excellent. And we'll put a link on our Facebook page for our listeners to follow. Finally, guys, I'd like to thank you both. I know that you're both extremely busy. Um, I'd like to thank you not only for taking the time to talk to us today, but also for everything you do for Star Wars fans across the world. In particular, your generous gift of a signed copy of the Star Wars Guide to Collectibles for Jez's Click Sergeant appeal, and it has gone to a very good home. Finally, good luck for all your future projects. I'm certainly intrigued by what these other 12 projects may be, and may the force be with you both. Thank you very much, and to you. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Burnley announced date of next Star Wars Fan Fun Day. With both Grant and I returned to the Star Wars Fan Fun Day at Burnley this year, which was yet again another roaring success with great guests, activities for the children, and stalls selling modern and vintage toys. Big shout-outs to Darren Simpson of Star Zone Toys and Rich McLean in attendance with their great stalls. And we hope to see you there on May the 2nd, 2016. Retro Blasting released latest video. Our friends at Retro Blasting have recently released their latest video on YouTube entitled Lost City in the Clouds. A fresh look at the Sears exclusive Cloud City playset, presented in a manner that only those guys can. I urge everyone to head on over and check it out. And finally, an update on Jez's Click Sergeant appeal. The podcast studio's member Jez completed the London Marathon in a time of just under 3 hours, 58 minutes, which is even more fantastic considering recent events at Anaheim. Jez, do you want to tell us how much you've raised for Click Sergeant? Yeah, Rich, I'm delighted to say that I've so far, and when I say so far because the money is still coming in, um, so far I've raised just over £1,250 for Click Sergeant, which is, which is fantastic because all that money has gone to such a good cause. Over 500 I think it's £512 has come straight from the forum. It's been fantastic. Right at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be putting shouts out, shout outs and, and thanks to everyone who's got involved.
And now on to what was probably the biggest bit of the news this month. Rather than having our usual focal interview here, we are going to hear the first part of our Anaheim live show. Okay, Pete, your first Star Wars celebration. Can you describe it in just three words? And then when you've done that, did it live up to all your expectations? Uh, very long queues, I think, is the... Uh is the the theme of my um, celebration. But yeah, I think it is. It was was just Star Wars everywhere. I mean, I need another 10 days to go back and do it all again because there was so much to do. And I felt like I did, you know, the big bits and I missed out on the smaller bit. I mean, most of my stuff was, I wanted to see, because it's my first one, I wanted to see all the the big events. Um, Like, you know, I'm just going to see Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and that sort of stuff. So um, a lot of my time was spent queuing and making lots of friends. So, um... And that's something people have said, that you do tend to talk to people in queues. I mean, the amount of people and new friends I made within queues was one of the, also one of the highlights of the, the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, I think it did meet my expectations, but uh, I didn't think it would be that enormous. What was the biggest difference between CE2 and Celebration Anaheim? Celebration Anaheim was Essen, CE2, on steroids. It was, it was so much bigger... And it allowed me to see such more of the Star Wars universe. What I mean is, in Essen, for me, it was just about being a collector and looking at the panels and the actors. And I thought that was it. I thought that was everything to do with Star Wars. Whereas this, because they had so much more going on, it was, you know, it was books. It was it was the bookworms. It was rebels. It was so many more things going on Star Wars wise than just vintage collecting. So the whole universe expanded for me at Anaheim. Very early on in Anaheim, we got to saw the trailer. Describe the moment when the lights dimmed and you knew you were about to see the second teaser trailer. I totally underestimated how awesome it was going to be, and I actually went in there knowing it was going to be awesome, and I underestimated that by a lot. We'd been drinking the night before, actually. We'd gone out for a few beers with um, uh, a few of the guys that we met in a bar. Uh, we went out for a drink with John Morton, and then we had about three hours sleep and ended up coming into the convention center, which looked like a refugee camp with just people lying on the floor in this in this basement of, an, of a convention center. Managed to get wristbands, managed to see the J.J. Abrams panel, BBA, Kathleen Kennedy, the new cast, the old cast, everything was fantastic. But when the trailer came out, um, the, it, everyone was actually quite quiet for it because they didn't want to miss anything of it. But there was a big cheer where the Millennium Falcon went through the, uh, through the crash Star Destroyer there. But you could actually hear an audible gasp of like well, how many five six seven eight thousand people go <gasps> when uh Harrison ford's voice come on and then the roof just exploded um and i burst into tears it was it was incredible pete where were you when you saw it and has it changed your expectations on the film well i managed to get into the main arena i didn't think we were i mean me and spanish dan went down about six in the morning um thought we wouldn't get into the main arena and get into one of the side stages but we actually managed to sneak in and we we're at the top sitting right in front of the stage, but um, at the back of the arena. And as Grant said, with the audible gasp, we had that with the BB-8 coming out onto the stage. And then, of course, we had the, the build-up to the trailer. I think the, f- the first teaser was pretty cool, as in it was like, wow, this, is, this, this looks like Star Wars again. But this one just reaffirmed it, I think. I, think we, I mean, thinking back to all the previous trailers of the, of the prequel trilogy, this one just kind of oozed Star Wars and what I remember as a kid. All the themes in that in that trailer were, were like, yeah, that looks like Star Wars. Yeah, there was nothing in there I thought, yeah, it looks a little bit odd. Everything just 
blew everybody in that room away. It was like being in a football crowd when when Han and Chewie came on and you heard it. And the, 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 you knew something big was going to happen or there was going to be some nod to the originals because it went very, very quiet, very, very dark. And then you heard it. And as soon as it went, I mean, it was like being in, in you know, the FA Cup final or the World Cup final and your team scoring a winning goal. It went mad. There were people running around, holding their eyes. Uh, it was just, it was, it was incredible. It was, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things you had to be there. And I was, thank goodness we got up early and went down there because I think I would have regretted it if I hadn't. Stu, where did you see the trailer and what were your thoughts? Well, luckily for us, Rich, it was streamed, wasn't it, live on YouTube. And uh, I rushed home from work. I literally got home five minutes before the panel started. So we were lucky enough to uh, to watch it, you know, at the same time as everyone else. And I think any trepidation that the film was going to be disappointing kind of disappeared through that trailer. The As soon as I saw that Star Destroyer crashed and the X-Wing and all the familiar things, you know, we had Han and Tube. You always had Vader's mask, which is just, it just everything just blew it away. And I, can't, I cannot wait for it. I want to go and grab a lightsaber and just be involved again. It's brilliant. Jez, now you recorded the trailer on your mobile when you saw it the second time. What was it like watching the trailer for the second time with an audience of thousands? Yeah, mate, there was absolutely no way I was going to record it on the first time. <laughs> you know, everyone has to uh, nowadays live their life through a lens, it seems. But for this, no way, man, put your camera down. Um, when JJ just... Oh, no, it wasn't even JJ. When the, uh, the guy um, running the show just said, yeah, who wants to see it a second time? We couldn't believe our luck. It was just, you know, incredible. So it was like, right, quick, quick, get the camera out. I, I still had the same thing. I had the hairs on my arms just go up. Um, I was still going through the whole mixed emotions of um, fatigue, jet lag, um, still probably slightly over the limit, um, uh, nauseous, a little bit teary. It, it, just, it was just crazy. It was just absolutely crazy. But the reaction afterwards, Grant in particular, when, when we left immediately after the second and we were all handed out souvenir posters, and uh, and we were walking along, and, and me and Grant had just lost the ability to function. Now, you know, we, we couldn't open doors, and, and I was trying to get Grant to roll his poster and, and put it in my poster tube, and he couldn't even roll a poster. Um, it was, yeah, it was um, the second time just, I think, just put everyone over the edge because they knew what was coming this time and just relished in it even more. It was amazing. Rich, what about you? Well, same with you, I watch it on YouTube, I watch most of the Verizon feed, where I watched it, and I watched it again, and I watched it again, and I watched it again, I must have watched it easily a dozen times on repeat, um, and pretty much everything that you've said I, I agree with, as soon as I saw that Star Destroyer, I thought, wow, um, obviously there's no CGI in these movies, so they've built a life-size Star Destroyer model, which I think is pretty impressive, but I was just, I was just blown away. I was absolutely blown away. And my, my expectations are like right up there, spinal tap 11. Right, Pete. Now, we spent many hours meticulously planning the podcast stage at Anaheim. Did everything go to plan? Um, I think pretty much. We had, uh, we had a couple of meetings before that in, um, obviously hotel bars between, um, me, Jez and Grant. So well, we kind of, we're kind of up for it really. I think we were so, so uh, enamoured by the whole experience that I don't think it could have gone wrong, even if it had gone wrong. It wouldn't have gone wrong. Uh, but when we got into the room, I mean, you don't get that long to set things up. So you've got to kind of get into the podcast room as soon as the last one is finished. Um, you get about half an hour. So you've got to make sure your mics are ready. We we got our big banner up on the chairs. So um, the thousands of people outside the room who are queuing for the Force Awakens exhibit could actually um, walk past and see this enormous 
banner that Richard had actually printed out and I managed to somehow get into my luggage. Um, and then Grant had the genius idea of putting everyone at ease. And he did this in two ways. The first one is that we all stood to, um, up for, um, and whilst Grant played the Force Awakens trailer and the, the, the sound for it, so we all stood up hands to hearts. Jez had tissues ready for people who were weeping at the, uh, the sheer emotion of the, of the event. And then um, Grant cracked out a 12-pack of beer. And uh, that really got everyone relaxed because there was a nice little line formed. Todd, um, our good US friend, popped up to the front and started being barman and pouring people beer. And there was, there was a surprise of people actually saying, what, real beer? And it's free. So it was like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then everyone was ready to go, really. It was a, it was a, it was a couple of moments of um, <laughs> inspired genius to, to get the room on our side, and we had a, a pretty good crowd as well. I believe that friends of the show, Christian and Ian from JW Acrylics, kindly donated some acrylic cases to be given away at Anaheim. Before going to the first part of the podcast, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, you know, everyone should know that GW Acrylic are close friends to the show. Ian's a close friend. Christian's a close friend. GW Acrylic have done these fantastic acrylic displays. And uh, Christian was nice enough to send over 50 acrylic displays for us to give away at the panel, which was absolutely phenomenal. Unfortunately, me and Jez, we were in a Doubletree Hilton, and there was two of them, so we had them delivered to the wrong hotel, and we had to pick them up after. But, yeah, it was through uh, Christian's amazing generosity that everyone that attended the panel had some great acrylic cases. Ian was nice enough to actually come on stage as well and take part. He discussed a little bit about GW Acrylic and did a, a quiz to give away, and, uh, and we got a recording of that, so let's check it out. So, Ian... You love acrylic, don't you? I you do. love it. I love acrylic. You cover things in acrylic. I cover lots of things in acrylic, yeah. Uh, what sort of things? Your legs? <laughs> Your head? Yeah. No, I, I would take something like this, which is beautiful, it is beautiful, and I would make it more beautiful. That's what I would do. You're a magician. We haven't got an example of that one, so I would take something beautiful like... We've got it the wrong way up. Beautiful, isn't it? And then, what you do, you put it in a very beautiful case, which cost you five dollars and then when you close the case it's like a display item it is like magic and you know what the case costs five dollars five dollars five only five dollars it's like some sort of qbc thing going on only five dollars that's amazing yeah, only five where can you get these from yes where who knows who would be selling yeah. who would be selling these things <laughs> so, but being, being, being serious, the whole, the whole point of vintage collecting is you're buying things that you had when you were a kid and things, or things that inspire, you're inspired by when you are a kid. And these things cost, you know, quite a lot of money these days. So if you're going to buy these things, you want to have them displayed properly, you want to have them, you know, you want to put them on your... Do you have mantelpieces out here? Yeah. 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 You want to put them on your mantelpiece, you know? There's a mantelpiece right here. Yeah. He's, he's, a mantelpiece he's got a big mantelpiece, I tell you. And if you balance something like that on your mantelpiece, it's it's going to fall off, isn't it? It is. I mean, I've, I've got a uh, Princess Leia Trilogo, uh, well, I won't say it's a minute on card, it was on card. And it was absolutely waved and all sorts, but a bit of flattening down and one of your cases, and it just pops because it keeps it flat. Well, the big case keeps it flat. So, I mean, suddenly you've gone from terrified about your collection to actually making it look absolutely amazing. So, you're not just providing 
a cash making service, you're actually doing something that, that helps collectors yeah. make their, their collection more visual. Lovely. Yeah, I gotta be honest with you, the, the difference is, I mean, sometimes you buy a vintage card, it's got some creases on it. These uh, GW credit cases turns your collection into a museum. They're absolutely beautiful, and then you know that your 100 pounds action figure is safe. And I think that's that, that's worth the work for what it is. But I, I think what we need to do, we've got some 10 questions there, uh, Pete. Maybe we should uh, get Ian to read some questions out and maybe we could give some away. There's some questions for you. Someone going to win some of these now? Then? Yes. 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 Let's Let's do it. Do it. So I, I've got to ask the questions. We're not making this up as we go along, like, honestly. No. Like, honestly. So we did prepare this. So I yes. asked in the pub. And um, um, Ian, the answers are at the end, you don't read that bit out. So I don't read out the answer. <laughs> ah, right, I see. So if I said that, that would be the answer. Yeah, that would be the answer. It, 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 no, it, it confused me I tell you what, somebody, have we got enough for two? You no, I don't even know what the answer is. If I've read the answer, I don't know what the question is. No, you get this. Just go right, for it. If anybody gets this, there's two. Right, the novelisation of Star Wars was released in 1976. On the cover, it says George Lucas, but who actually wrote it? Oh, this man here, the only old one T-shirt. He was Swift. Alan Dean Foster. There you go. How do you know these things? It is it just, it just witchcraft. He's here today. Right. Okay. Now this one. This one's the. This is only. This is a one. Right. Name two countries where the Palatoy Death Star was available. Where and where are we from? England. And where borders uh, America? Uh, oh, Canada. There you go. Wow! Great job. Right. Name Star Wars figures that had an alternate photograph on the return of the Je Wait, I'm not gonna say that. Oh, oh, oh. That's quick. Go, just go quick. No, I've not got class two on there. I see a man in the front here with a fantastic moustache. Go on. Boba Fett, Han Solo, Darth Vader, Chewbacca. Does he have to wear them all? No, no, just three. You've got, you've got pretty much most. I would have given him a credit for the moustache alone. That was beautiful. It was Chewbacca, Spin, Han, and Fett. Right, which figures did Kenny get the names the wrong way round? I reckon it was just, just this side. There we go. You should have all got that. All of you. Right, not including Miss cards, which figures did not appear on Tri Logo cards? I only want one or two of them. Oh, moustache again. I can answer it, you don't have to give me one. Alright, well, let Jason answer because he hasn't got Thank you very much. That'll do. Can we have the name of them all? No, no, just one. Right, which, ah, uh, come on, every American should get this one right. Come on, Americans. You're the front If, if you're American <laughs> and you haven't got this right, then you need to leave. <laughs> right, which figure of the run of 97 figures was not yeah, about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what, I'm, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give this to my two, even though that was the easiest question so far. <laughs> Check now, it says Sunday adult. That means this gentleman is here 
and he is here and Just he's given us. up his yeah, hour for us. So thank you very much. for us. He's our special fan. Okay, that was an easy one. Right, name the only two 12-inch figures that were released by Kenner USA ESB. So the two 12-inch uh, figures. IG-88 and... Oh, we got a hand, we got a hand. Uh, oh, careful, you is see. Has that hand already got a case? We, we will need raised hands. No, no, no. no, 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 no the hand, hand can answer then. Correct. Oh, yeah. I, want, I want to see those figures, yeah? Right. Uh, name, name figures that came with two weapons on the vintage cards. Oh, God. Just one figure will do. It's a common theme, isn't it? Yeah, that would do. IG-88 or Luke Jedi or Luke Beastman. Right, name two figures that came, came with the Cloud City playset. Come on, vintage fans. Oh, go on, come on, come on. Oh, oh, come on, oh, oh, Just shout out some names, we just... I'm just up, guy. Wow, well done, John. Those Americans are sharp sometimes. Yeah, you are. You knew the yak face one, didn't some you? Some of you guys need to shout things out. Yeah. Right. And I'm just finishing with the last question. Yes, please, man. Please, please, please. No, right. right. Last question then. The first release of the Darth Vader carry case holds how many figures? There was 30. Hand, there, it was a tentative hand there. 30. And 30. And, and weapon cases. Yeah, 31. Wow. <laughs> I think we've got even more questions, haven't we? Oh my goodness. Oh, I mean, more no, questions. No, 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 that's it. That's it. Oh, I was going to say. Give us the back of the card. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Mr. Anderson. Give us a lovely round of applause. GW Acrylic. I will be buying more. You'll find it. We've got a bunch there. I'm on Facebook. I'll have a website. If you've got the acrylic cases, there'll be a badge in there as well, okay? Thank you. 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 Hello, what happened here? Ah, good. New acquisitions. Alright guys, well apart from the LA which we did earlier on with regards to the latest acquisitions from ourselves, which was pretty much a podcast in itself, again... It's been a pretty crazy month. First of all, I just want to give a little bit of a shout-out to uh, Son of Django. Now, he's bought some die-cast stuff, amongst loads of other things. He, he's put on his die-cast snowspeeder and twin cloud car, which you can see on page 1671. I don't have anything die-cast, nothing at all. Rich, have you been collecting die-cast at all? Yeah, I've got quite a few nice die-cast uh, models, but what I'm impressed with is he's, he's picked up two of the nine Empire Strikes Back ones, and they are in fantastic condition for loose die-cast. Anybody who collects loose die-cast knows that they're often scratched, or they're missing some of the small parts like cannabis, and these look really, really good. Yeah, well chuffed with those. Maybe, just maybe, that's something which will be added to my collection in the future. So then we move on to page 1680 in Dublin, Jeff. This busy boy still going at it. Um, recently been to a flea market where he found a blue snaggletooth and a yak face spoke to the chap and the chap's like oh you're interested in vintage stars here you go and brings out a massive box where he takes home a load of luke x-wings the lucky 
chap. Now these seem to be on the far, uh, on the increase. There's loads of fines going on at the moment. Definitely worthy of note that things are picking up from a collection point of view. Moving on to page 1672 and 82, Mr. Bob A. Fett. Now what a name. What, what I particularly liked about that, because I thought I had a little chuckle to myself, he put a little quote saying, oh, I've just bought my first mock, his first mint on card, and I thought, there it's begun, because it's happened to us all. Pete, it's happened to you recently, hasn't it? Well, <clears throat> recently-ish, um, I bought my first mock toward the end of last year, and I never thought I'd ever buy one, and, uh, and now I've got what, nine, maybe another one on, on the way, it's like having kids or something. Uh, once you've had one, you can't let it sit there and and be on its own. So you have to kind of keep going with it. But um, yeah, the the uh, it, I think it's the ultimate link to your back to your childhood, uh, aside from actually opening the stuff. And it, it it is it is quite a thrill. I think I think Richard should really uh get on board this whole mock thing because uh, I think he's missing out. Going to happen. Well, Mr. Bob A. Fett, I think that's how you would say it. He's done tremendously well. I think my first mock uh, Minton card that I bought recently, you know, when I started collecting again, was an ATST driver. He's gone straight in there, and he's bought himself a really, really mint Lando Skiff Palatoy and a Kenner Leo Bush. Now they they are really, really mint unpunched cards that you'll be able to see there. He then goes on and buys himself a Luke Hoth. Now, this doesn't seem like a beginner to me. He's going straight in at the deep end and, and doing well. So I'm looking forward to watching him with great interest. Now, moving on again, page 1972, Vince, our C-3PO collector, has just got himself a white text C-3PO baggie. Now, I think to myself, well, what's the significance about this? Clearly, I don't know enough about baggies. Maybe this is something which we'll have a look for in the future. But I'm absolutely delighted with Vince. He's a fantastic collector who's got a massive C-3PO collection. People should check it out. And, uh, and this baggie, he's pleased with, so therefore, we're pleased with. Moving on, we've got a new poster. And he came out straight away with an incredible post. His name's Troon Program. Now, he's, he's new to the forum, and he's a collector of card backs. And, and he's got some really, really nice ones. Now, on page 1979, uh, sorry, 1679, 1683, 1675... Started off with a couple of Lukes, an R2-D2, a Stormtrooper, then moves on to the Trilogos and Droids. And he's, he's got a really, really big haul on page 1983. Takara, Palatoys and Tries and Kenners. So uh, good on you, Troon Program. Nice to have you on the forum, mate, and nice to see some of your card backs. Right, Jimmy Woolley. Everyone's seen this chap's massive collection, his, his big collection purchase. Rich? What did you see when you saw what this guy picked up? It's an absolutely insane, crazy collection of loose figures and card backs, including all of the last 17. Um, fantastic stuff. But what was interesting to know for me, uh, considering that this was a, um, an early childhood collection, there were multiple Stormtroopers, multiple Hoth Stormtroopers, multiple Rebel Soldiers. And when I was at Vectis earlier in the month, in the Palatoy Salesman paperwork, I noticed there was a document there from the Palatoy Salesman to one of the stores that he was visiting. And even way back then in 1978, in this document, it had quite clearly stated um, that they recommend the stores purchase multiple stormtroopers because they would be perfect for, um, it didn't use the term army builders, but they knew back then that army builders was going to happen. And, and things like this is the proof. I certainly didn't have multiple um, copies of any of my figures, so great stuff. Now that goes quite nicely with the next one, because Prietobite on page 1671 has got a bit of an army of Vaders. 
if you'd believe that. Now, he's gone into this and he's got them all laid out quite nicely. And he's referred to it as the Taiwan Dimple Mouth Vader. Check it out. Page 1671. Dimple Mouth Vader. Again, something I know nothing about. Probably going to be looking for those on eBay. But who knows? We might be having to do another little focus check later on um, or perhaps soon on the podcast. Moving on, page 1681, Twin 30mm has got himself a vinyl cage hour. He's, he's done it, he's got it, he's pulled the trigger and he's got himself one. Now, I don't have one. Let's just do a quick round around. Grant, have you got a vinyl cage hour? Um, I've got one on the way. Does that count? No, it doesn't count. No, I don't Absolutely have one. Absolutely counts, man. If you've got one on the way, that's, you know, you're there. Stu? No, I'm afraid not, mate. Pete? No, and I'd be mad to if I did. <laughs> Rich, now I think you have. Yes, I, I've got a vinyl cave, Joe. I got one for quite a good price. Um, I bought it on stores from UK probably about 18 months to a year ago, and uh, it was from Haid, and he posted it up there, posted the price, and I had it within two minutes. I got very lucky. Nice one. So there you go. Twin 30 mil. Got himself a lovely VCJ, and that's something a few of us are very envious of. Grant, I'll be looking forward to seeing yours when it comes along, mate. Then we move on. Nearly at the end of the shout-outs, page 1676, Poncho Belt. Good on you, mate. Wanted to get a grey-haired Obi-Wan to go with his white-haired Obi-Wan. And they look quite good next to each other, thanks to the work which he's done. He started off with a chewed-up, beaterish looking lightsaber, managed to bang it into place, got that. He then got himself a loose figure without a cape and without the lightsaber, and finally got himself the cape. He's put it all together and now the two of them are there. So good on your poncho belt, mate. It's looking good. Finally, the last one I wanted to talk about, and the whole reason we do this, or certainly the reason I do this, is, is all sentimental. On page 1674, DB94, good old Colin, has got himself a B-wing pilot, which is sentimental to the point that it's the last figure he bought at Christmas 1984. So the circle's kind of complete for old Colin. So, so good on you, mate. And uh, I know you're not going to stop collecting. And uh, who knows, we might be looking at some more of your stuff next month. The galaxy explodes. The Rebels return. You can relive it all with Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. The police diving in a hyperdrive. Not a movie. New B-Wing fighters and B-Wing pilot action figures, each sold separately. Batteries not included. Asteroid belt, lowering wings. Hold on tight. Just our life ahead. New B-Wing fighter and B-Wing pilot action figures each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Right, so that was the shout-outs. And then we're going to go in a little bit more in-depth. Bootlegs is something we've already spoken about. We've already spoken about this on what we've already picked up this month. However, you know, we, we look at some of the other guys on the forum as well. And, and they've been picking them up. So you've got Spoons has been collecting um, bootlegs recently and has got himself some new blasters to go with his bootlegs. Who else? We've got Bruce. Bruce has got himself a Polish white unarticulated Leah Organa and a blue Mexican unarticulated. Fantastic. Dr. Ball MD with his Zuckus on page 1683. He's got himself a Zuckus and this one's particularly cool because it's got biker scout legs. Now, boot legs. Something I was definitely not interested in when I first started collecting. Grant, what's your thoughts on bootlegs, buddy? Well, um, what I noticed, what you just actually pointed out, is Spoons, Bruce White, Dr. Ball MD. All of these guys have got their bootlegs for their focus collections. 
So this is something obviously that focus collectors are into. Never really seen much people putting like a full, you know, second, third generation Polish bootleg collection together, which is something I'd be interested to hear someone who does that to come on the show. Um, Stu, you've also been buying bootlegs recently. I was wondering why you were jumping on them. I don't know, to be honest with you, mate. I bought one off Walkie a couple of months ago, and then I've just picked up two or three other ones as and when they've come up at a decent price. I don't know. that They are really random, and just I like the fact that they look like the figure, but the paint job on them's awful, and I don't know. It's just something a little bit, um, I don't know, romantic about it, that, you know, they weren't available in those countries, and these countries still produce these figures because Star Wars was still big out there, and they still had a market. I don't know. What about you, Rich? Because you, you collect all things loose. Are bootlegs big on your agenda? No, I don't have a single bootleg item anymore after me um, adventures in facts. But if I go down the focus route, then I think I will pick up bootlegs for that focus. I might have just dropped a clue there, guys. Oh. I don't know if there's bootleg. I haven't seen bootleg R5D4s that exist. There's an Uzi one. Yeah, it sold on eBay loose the other day for 300 quid. Sorry, Jez, over to you, bud. No, you guys carry on. I'm, I'm actually whittling myself a bootleg pre- pregnant Padme to uh, flog to Pete, you know. Yeah! The time. So you, you, you uh, guys crack on. Did you guys see the, the trem that was at uh, within the room sales? The, it, it, the, the guy had the trems and he had a... Uh, right at the front was an amazing Lear Organa figure. And he wanted $375 for it. Yeah, he had a stall down there in the actual uh, convention floor as well where he had like all of the model trams lined up and then he, he had like a, almost a full range of lily leddies as well but the model trams are wow they were something yeah i mean he, i mean he hadn't displayed beautifully on his little table but that's a lot of money have you actually picked up one of these uh, model trams up did, did, did they feel heavy yeah they're made of lead so yeah they're, they're definitely weighty yeah the the model trams i mean i was going to come on to that a little bit later on but they started off made of lead and, and they were really weighty and um and from what i understand that later on they started to then make them out of resin. Oh. And um, so that, so there are some lead ones, but there are also some later ones, some ones made of resin. And, and some of the thoughts behind that are possibly because, you know, kids, as kids are, you know, picking them up and, and wazzing them across the room or what have you. And um, and actually, I think the whole production process of making something out of plastic or resin is going to be cheaper as well. So, so they're interesting, but the only ones I've seen publicly, you know, for sale or on Rebel Scum or what have you, um, have been the lead ones. Well, I think you guys nailed it on the head earlier on that bootlegs generally are going to be something a, a focus guy was looking at. You know, I, when I was first collecting the vintage loose, as we as we all start with, I was thinking, well, it doesn't fit. You know, it doesn't it doesn't go with the aesthetics. It doesn't go with the feel. It, it doesn't belong. Now, as I've become a um, still a, a vintage collector because my collection's not complete, but as I've digressed and gone off to x-wing collecting luke x-wing yeah absolutely um whereas before i didn't i didn't think there was a place there's absolutely a place now for uh bootlegs in my collection and maybe i'll end up getting some more yeah i think this is something that we need to tap into because all of us don't really collect bootlegs but it's very apparent that there's a massive bootleg market out there and there's a lot of bootleg collectors and i think maybe going forward with the podcast maybe this is something that we need to investigate and get some people on to really sort of educate us on you know, what these bootlegs are, where they come from, why they exist, and, you know, all the different generations of them. Absolutely. Uh, and you know what, Grant, I'm pleased to say that I've been speaking recently with uh, with Joe Y, who's, you know, one of the main guys, or the main guy. You know, he, he's like the godfather with regards to bootlegs, um, known throughout all of the forums. And in fact, you know, we, I think we were all in his panel 
um, the, the collector's panel at Anaheim, all the three of us who were there, certainly listening to his, his, his brief, his panel on bootlegs. Now, Joe has agreed that, you know, in the future he'd love to come on and, uh, and give us a whole bootleg rundown. Because quite frankly, looking at it, it's so vast. When you look at the countries covered, and as you say, you know, the difference between lead and resin, and all the little different things, be it on card or, or not, um, you could talk about these. We could dedicate a whole podcast and then some to bootlegs. I mean, these things are crazy, and um, and I think it absolutely has a place in vintage Star Wars collecting. Just because it wasn't licensed by you know the main licensees who we know of, Absolutely. Other kids were playing with these figures, and we need to celebrate that. Lads, the next thing I want to talk about is Bradley1360. On the forum is a guy who I don't think I've conversed with at all, but he's just dropped on page 1681 an Italian four-pack. And I saw that, and my eyes popped out of my head, because this is the sort of thing which I think this is pretty sweet. Now, they're amazing to look at, and they're so simple. When you compare it with the dedicated you know, twin packs, three packs, five packs, etc., the four pack seems like a really lame effort, but yet its size and its girth impress me. Now, when it comes to four packs, have any of you guys got any previous with them, or have you seen any in hand, or in fact, anyone own one? Um, I touched one once. <laughs> Is this one of those point to the dolly? things uh, no no um that uh, scotty boy david came to fathers from i think it was christmas 2013 possibly yeah and he brought a, uh one of the four packs down but i think that was an italian one and not a german one so same same but different yeah no it, the one bradley's got in fact his name's peter he's got an italian one as well so it's the italian ones which are more common the, the german ones are more difficult to get hold of but i, I, I was there at that farthest from and i definitely remember because i was thinking to myself it, it was either scotty boy or, or it was christian it was someone was there and said Do you know what though they they ran the wrong way around that it's in the wrong order or, or that's not right i was thinking to myself hang on a second what's all this amount Pete, they're in the wrong order now surely th- this was the whole idea of these they were kind of overstock you know this is towards the end of it where it's a case of right what we'll do is we'll get four mint on cards you know f- four carded figures and we'll put them with a big header, which we'll glue on the front and we'll glue on the back. And we'll try and sell them off, and, you know, sell them to the kids and put them out, um, put a nice little bit of package in, get them out at a reasonably cheap offer, but it just gets them out of the shop. So why are people saying that, oh, hang on a second, this is around the wrong way or, or the order's wrong? I had no idea about orders, mate. I just thought that they were random, possibly stapled to a, a header card and off they go. Yeah, well, when I look at Peter's, on page 1681 and and I'm looking at it and the order which he's got is ATST driver, biker scout, lobot and squid head. Now we're going to come back to that order in a second but Rich what have you got to say about it? Yeah I was talking to Joe Wai about some um, Hungarian bootlegs which I couldn't even dream to pronounce um, the title of and I noticed that there was an order of colours. It was red, blue, yellow, whatever the colour sequence was. And he posted a, a photograph of his. And then I checked it against another one, and it was exactly the same order. And Joe was, Joe was kind of, oh, I've, I've never really spotted that before. And he went and checked another one. And, and, I, and I think this order is quite common. And it was suggested that, certainly for the Hungarian ones, it may have 
been as such a small scale operation that it might have actually come from just one guy who was putting these sets together, which would make sense that everything is going in the same order. Yeah, when it comes down to this though, we've we've got German and we've got Italian. I was thinking to myself, these are they appear to be officially licensed. Now now what we've got is we've got the header card. Now on, on the Italian one, it looks great. It's it's got the standard Return of the Jedi logo all in English. And then underneath in bold, it says, for now, forgive me, Averta Special Per I Cullen which, when you shove that through Google, it says special offer for the collectors in Italian. Now, on the top right-hand corner, it's got a sort of old 80s-style zap. I think some people have referred to it as the starburst um, little um, zap thing, like a like an old-fashioned Batman thwack um, area where shops, retail outlets, can put a price. Now, it's quite common that these are handwritten in, saying you know special offer, uh, one ninety nine, or or in this case, I think it was six ninety nine on Peters. So these seem a bit more mass-produced than just one guy. So you know we've gone back to what you said about one guy going in and out. But this is something, this is definitely a bit of an X-Files thing going on here because there's definitely two different camps. Now, Grant, are you in the camp where, you know, this is just one guy doing it this way or are there going to be several opportunities and different possibilities? Uh, Buddy, from my experience of working in the factories, nothing is that coordinated. It's more a case of getting as much stock out as possible. So I would be surprised if there was even an order to these things. You know, for example... You're looking at the one that you're looking at, the ATST driver, the biker scout, Lobot, Squidhead. I found with some of these four packs that they're not all tri logos. And I was going to ask you, as the Lobot figure is a, you know, the Empire Strikes Back lo- a Lobot is a, it's a famous peg warmer. Is the Lobot in there? It's, it's not going to be a tri logo one. Yeah, well, I, I asked, um, Peter to send me some more photographs of these. And so his, his Lobot is a Kenner. So he's got ATST driver, tri logo, biker scout, tri logo, Lobot. Kenner and Squidhead Trilogo. Now, when you go on to um, Joe, um, and we on the forum quite like to refer back to Joe at Trilogo.info, when you look at Joe's site and they go into this, again, they say that there are different combinations. Joe's site goes on to say that actually you can have combinations of Trilogos, Kenners and Palatoys all on one strip. Yeah. You know, the, the, this is shop leftover stuff. Um, but there seems to be a lot of um, this is something where people could argue till they were quite literally blue in the face with each other about about no that's not quite right it it has to be this now um, a very very well respected collector Christian in fact the um, CEO of GW Acrylics um, when I spoke to him about them because I I know that um, he's a bit of an oracle and he said to me that there are four definite known combos which are legit and that's Lumat Emperor Cloud Car Pilot uh, Tebow or Trilogo. Now, is there anything there? I don't want to put anyone on the spot particularly, but why don't you shout out um, Lumat Emperor, Cloud Car Pilot, and Tebow or Trilogo, which might make people think, oh, actually, yeah, something could be. Uh, I can see now why some of the orders might be wrong. Cloud Car Pilot, if that's a Trilogo one, that's a major mock. That's one of the rarest mocks going, so to have that in a four pack would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely, mate. You're, you're spot on. The, the Cloud Car Pilot, because it's a hybrid tri-logo and it's one of the more difficult ones to get, in, in fact, you just don't really see those coming up. Some people used to buy some of the four packs just to get this to then sell that on separately. It's, you know, a, 
apparently the word on the street is. So you will often find them where that one is gapped and then someone's just shoved something else in. Also, another one which was um, quite popular to get hold of was the Emperor Royal Guard. So on another combination, you had Squidhead Trilogo, Emperor Royal Guard Trilogo, B-Wing Kenner, and ATST Driver. Now that is an official, completely combo, legit, signed off combination there. So it's definitely got the Kenner in there, but an Emperor Royal, um, Emperor's Royal Guard Trilogo, again, a very popular Minton carded figure. So you can see that people would want to get some of these and, and possibly just remove a single one and just, you know, swap it with another peg warmer, as you say. So there are four legit combos out there, and apparently it's been known that AFA have graded, um, you know, non-legit ones because it shouldn't be too difficult, let's face it, to get, you know, one of these carded figures, remove it, and then insert it with a little bit of Pritt stick or what have you. Um, so who knows? I look at these, and, I, and I've looked at Peter's, uh, and it, to me it just looks fantastic. And the price he paid, I'm, I'm not going to say it on, on the podcast now, but it, the price he paid is less than I would have expected to have paid, and a price which I'd be happy with for four mint on card figures under that header. So whether or not it was original, done in the shop or done in the factory, um, or just done by another collector, I still think it looks great. Um, there's a fair amount of shelfware on all of his cards, which, again, I was kind of stuck with, because I was thinking, oh, I don't know, there's a lot of shelfware on there, and actually, the way the cards all line up nicely, the shelfware should have been protected, that maybe the shelfware shouldn't be there, because the cards are all overlapping, and therefore, why is there shelfware on these cards? But then the other side of me thought, the reason there's shelfware on these cards is because these are the cards which weren't selling, these are the cards which they had in the shop for ages, so they then put them in the header and then try to sell them. So who knows what? Um, there are obviously two sides to every story, and um, and and I just think though that they do look fantastic. The German ones, as you said earlier on, the German ones are even rarer. On the back of the Italian ones, it's actually got English text, and on the back of the German ones, it's got French text. So it's a massively European thing. And definitely something which I think, oh, I wish I'd got one of those and taken it to Celebration 7, because I might have been able to make a bit of an investment on that. Okay, so the final thing which I wanted to mention from the latest acquisition is on page 1676. Old Rusty Rankin, he's done it again. He's got himself this time a couple of butte miss cards. Now what I mean by the miss cards, and the reason I say this, and I certainly don't mean to be patronising, but when we were at Father's From, there was a man after we were talking about this and the other, I said, what's a miss card? Now a miss card, we spoke about the miscarded bubble on a card on the last podcast, whereas this miscarded figure on a different card back. Now there are so many variations, and the ones which he's just bought, he's actually bought two, the same figure, weak way, He's bought them on a Trilogo, on a, on the Warwick, and on a Barada. Absolutely amazing. I, I just really, really think these are cool. There's an, absolutely a place for this in uh, collections, and uh, and there's a definite gap in my collection as I'm waiting to get my first Miss card. Grant, now I know that within the last year or so, I think you bought a particularly interesting Miss card with regards to, was it General Veers and an Attack? 
Commandant? No, no, that's right, mate. It's one of the tougher ones to come across, but it's an actual genuine link there because Attack Commander is Imperial Commander, so there was a nice little link there. These things seem to have really taken off at the moment where everyone wants to buy missed cards. I hear the word missed card a hell of a lot, and there's some brilliant ones there. What I found strange about this is the I really like the Weakway Barada one. I think that's a great combination. The Weakway Warwick one, uh, this seems more common these days than the Klaatu and the Klaatu Skiff one. I, I see this Warwick Weakway combination come up for sale time and time and time again. I'm not sure whether that's because there was a big find of them recently. Yeah, you're absolutely right. These ones have been trickling in, and there's been quite a few on eBay. We've seen quite a few come up. Again, crazy. And and the idea of the Warwick and the Weakway, I mean, is this just some... (laughs) Is this some lady in the factory who was just struggling with her eyesight, who was looking at a list and was just looking at the W's and thinking, yeah, that goes with that? Or what? I've, I've got no idea. They just don't fit. I mean, the whole Barada Weekway thing was, you know, it, it's a great-looking bubble as well on, on this particular, on Rusty Rankin's one. It, it's looking good, um, but it obviously fits a little bit more with the whole desert skiff scene. I think these are cool from a, from a uh, focus collector's point of view. Obviously, there's loads of options um, if they've got them, whether or not it's the figure or the card back. There's so you know so many different things that you can do. Now you got yours at quite a um, quite a good price. I mean, I'm not going to ask you necessarily to to give us the price, but I think people would be quite surprised actually with the with the opportunities out there if you've certainly got an eye on eBay. Yeah, some of uh, slipped through there. I got mine for fifty quid, so that 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 was cheap. But miss cards now. I mean, we had the Vectus auction a couple of. Was it last year? There was a, a Tie Pilot Darth Vader went in for one thousand seven hundred pound. I think Gary Smith talks about that in episode eleven. Some of them are going for uh, big crazy money. And remember, the only way you can get a full set of Tri logos is by getting that Miss Card Desk World Commander. Oh, he's stealing my chips, man! He's stealing my chips. <laughs> Uh, did I take the jam at your donut there? <laughs> you totally did, man. Well, that's the suit. Oh, I'm going to throw away that page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so we look at it and we just think, right, you know, what's out there and why were they doing it? I've seen them on Empire Strikes Back cards. I've seen them on Return of the Jedi ones. I've seen Empire Strikes Back figures um, I've, I've, on Return of the Jedi cards and a whole different thing. There are robot figures on robot cards. Some of them make sense. Rebel figures on Rebel cards. Yours makes sense. Imperial figures on Imperial cards. But I'm sure that we've all seen some crazy ones. Now, just go around the room again. Are there anything which you think, yeah, that's pretty crazy, or that's what I'd like to see? Now, obviously, I haven't told you that we're going to do this, so I'm just going to pounce on you, and I know now you're thinking, not me first, not me first. So, Pete, are there any which stand out which you've seen at all, or you think, oh, yeah, that would be cool? I don't see any Princess Leia figure on a Miss card. That'd be quite. I think playing with gender confusion is always quite amusing. But I, I don't know whether they exist, so it could be quite random. I think anything on the droids, such as the Biker Scout on the R5D4 Tri logo, you know, I, I look at them. I think seriously, the R5 and Biker Scout was the one that came into my mind because that was when I interviewed Gary, the strangest one he thought he'd seen. Yeah, I think there is layers, Pete. I don't, I'm not sure there's an Organa layer, but I'm pretty sure that he mentioned layers in that thing. Yeah, if you check out um, Gary Smith or Sith Smith's Miss Card, I think he's got it down as Miss Card 2013. Um, and I know that he's got more since then. It's about time, Gary, you, you gave us an update, boy. Um, but he, he, yeah, he's got loads, so people need he to had, check that out. 
He had 33 when we interviewed in January. I want a best spin Lear on a Lobot card. And we're playing with hair, we're playing with all sorts of things there. Well, speaking about Lobot, when we were at Father's Farm, we saw the Lobot on a Hoff Stormtrooper card, Empire Strikes Back. Now, I know the Trilogos were put on cards on purpose. I think that might have been a genuine mistake. Like, that wasn't meant to be. That's a factory error there. So I think some of the earlier cards where they've got the wrong figures on, I think those are genuine factory errors. I want one. I really, really want one. I, I do. I put it out there. If anyone sees a cool one, please let me know. Have any of you guys seen, and this might just refresh you, have you seen the miss cards where the bubble, I would still class this as a miss card, the bubble isn't where the bubble should be. Instead of being bottom left as you look at the card, it's top right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, man. They're yep. cool. Yep. And, um, and Grant is a TIE Fighter-focused uh, collector. Um, the ones I've seen just by doing a quick search online, they, they've got a hand Hoth, so I'm sure old Spoons will be interested in that. But they've got a TIE Fighter pilot, both of which are on Empire Strikes Back cards. Yeah, the, um, the hand Hoth is one that Soren used to have. So I don't know if you still got it for sale, but I know Spoons was after that. And the uh, yeah, the picture of the TIE Fighter pilot one I've got in my little stalker folder on my computer. Yeah. yeah. I think it's in Japan <laughs> at the moment. Did you just say stalker folder? Yeah, I have a stalker folder where I put like, oh, I didn't know that existed. Take photographs of it, take information down. You know, just keeping up, making sure everything's good. It's Grant Star Wars figure stalker. That's quite interesting. Yeah, it's how, it's how you find these pieces. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I wonder if anyone else has a Star Wars Stalker folder on their computer. Oh, that's a good question. Do any of the rest of you have a Star Wars figure Stalker folder? It never occurred to me. I probably got oh. it on e. I, I probably got it on eBay. Yes, eBay's a form of stalking. Yeah, so I've probably got like uh, say I've got things that have sold in the past, which I'm kind of still looking. I'm kind of still holding out that either person will either list it themselves or will come available again and going. And I've, got, been, I've been stalking them. Have you got favourite sellers? No, but I, I just keep uh, records of who bought it. Yeah, oh, as in that's it, even more stalkery. Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, quite, quite stalkery. Yeah. Yeah, if you actually think about it, we're all a bunch of stalkers. We just don't know it. Exactly. That's terrible. Isn't it? Well, finally, then on miss cards. Yeah, I think we'll all agree that they do look pretty cool. You know, if you still want a yak face mint on card, you could possibly get one with a Warwick card. The Admiral Akbar. And the sand person combination is brilliant. And as you said, the Trilogo Death Squad Commander or um, it is the only way which you'll complete a full Trilogo run. These things are out there. These things are ace. And I'd really, really like to see more of them. And, uh, and hopefully one day I'll add one to my collection. And Stu, you want one? Let's hope you get one too, buddy. That's it for this month's latest acquisitions. Who knows what the next podcast will bring? If we're broadening and the Vintage Rebellion is out there, you know, we could be looking at latest acquisitions from all over the place. Star Wars Forum UK, Rebel Scum, Facebook groups. If you see something which you think is a cool latest acquisition, you be sure to let the Vintage Rebellion know and maybe we'll be talking about it on our next podcast.
Okay, welcome to this month's event section. A bit different to normal, as we're going to go back and have a look at a bit of Star Wars celebration that wasn't part of the podcast stage. Now, Jez, you were actually part, or invited to be a part of a panel uh, at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. I thought you'd like to let us know how that started and what actually happened. Yeah, cheers, Grant. That just completely blew my mind. When um, it was about a week, it was only about a week before Anaheim, the way it all started was Emily Morton, John Morton's daughter, asked us about John's involvement in podcast stages and Anaheim and said that he was going to be holding a panel at Anaheim, which was Star Wars and the military and and trooping in particular, people doing all the cosplay, to which I was definitely interested in going to anyway. And I just said, yep, I'm in the military. Um, I was definitely going to watch that. Next message comes in saying, oh, right, brilliant. You're in the military. Can you come up on stage? And uh, John will just ask you a few questions. In for a penny, in for a pound, feel a little bit nervous, but yeah, um, we go there. This is about an hour after having seen the trailer, and John gives a really, really good panel with some people who have um, just recently returned from theatre, recently returned from Afghanistan, talking about how Star Wars affects them, uh, affects their lives, and, and just, you know, it's just that area of stability for them. It was a really interesting panel, it certainly was interesting for me, and um, and I had four minutes or four or five minutes um, talking to the audience. Okay, cheers, Jess. Let's check that out. Um, on the subject of Afghanistan, um, I want to introduce Jez Allenson, uh, who is here from the UK. Uh, he and Grant Criddle uh, are with the Star Wars Forum uh, UK organization. They're actually taping this. Uh, Jez uh, was in the forces, and uh, he's got a similar story to tell uh, from what you already heard from our panelists. Mary, was, Mary Franklin was very keen on having some overseas representation on the panel. We were not able to, and I was able to run into Jez yesterday, and I said, hey man, I want to hear your story, and I want to hear that other people are, are, are getting the benefit of what you just had to say about your experiences, what Star Wars means to you. So Jez, the floor is yours. Thanks very much. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Yep, I'm Flight Lieutenant Jed Allen's and I'm still serving. I've done 18 years in the British RAF, the Royal Air Force. Um, I've got one of the coolest jobs in the world. Um, essentially, I am Dak in a helicopter. Um, it is really, really good. I do everything I can to stop the pilots um, flying into ground and, and do the enemy's job for us. I try and offload the pilots. I do the, uh, the uh, weaponry. I do the uh, engineering side of it. I look after people or internal freight and external freight, um, just basically try and offload him or her as much as possible. I've got a winch, um, I'm a combat medic, and the only thing I don't have is a, um, is a harpoon. Thanks very much. Um, so um, that, that's my job, that's what I do. Um, it can be difficult sometimes. I absolutely love um, flying in Norway, go to North Norway, and you know, the little kid in me comes out, and I'm like, this is me, my snow speeders, I'm flying along with my helicopter. We go to um, you know Kuwait, Afghanistan, um, Baghdad, wherever, and we're just like, yeah, this is good. Tatooine, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and, I, and I'm and I'm reliving it. I shouldn't be thinking about the job. Um, <laughs> I've got away with it, um, but it's you know Star Wars is a massive part of my life. Um, I completely got what you said earlier on about first of all it being a little guilty secret, and you're in a very you know, masculine world. And you didn't want that to come out. It, it, it slowly started to come out. It's come out now more and more to the point where, you know, I started going around with my other Princess Leah mug, 
Cheers for that, Jez. Now on to some events that are coming up. Pete, I know you're really excited about two events coming up. Two very unusual events, something a little bit different in the Star Wars community. Okay, the Madame Two Swords exhibition and a special secret cinema screening of The Empire Strikes Back. Pete, could you tell us a bit about these two special events? Yeah, and the Madame Two Swords one, if you go onto the website, they, they have been promoting it, and I think we'll be featuring it on uh, our Facebook page. But uh, some of the set pieces they've done, they've, they've done a lot of dioramas from the, from the films. Uh, the one that they're advertising right at this moment as we speak is Jabba and the Slave Leia. And uh, the Slave Leia figure is just phenomenal. Uh, it looks like Carrie Fisher is sitting there from, you know, 1983. It, 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 is, it is simply spectacular. Uh, but they've got loads of little dioramas. That they've got the, um, the Han. I mean, you, you can basically go and sit with Han and be shot or shoot or however way you see it. You've got uh, Darth Vader as well in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, so you can basically be um, Luke and feel the wind through your hair as Vader is, uh, is telling you of, his, of, his, of, of, of your, your family connection. Um, but that starts on May 16th. I think it runs through uh, most of summer. But you have to buy tickets for the whole of Madden Two Swords. You can't just go into the Star Wars bit. Um, I don't know exactly the prices... But um, that can mount up if you've got a family. But um, I, think I do. Worth... I know Ooh. how much it costs to get at Mount Swords. I've been, I go there quite regularly. Go on, Rich. Let yep. us know. Yep. Online, it'll cost you about £20, £20.50p. But if you do a search for a voucher code or if you purchase Kellogg's cereal boxes in the summer, you'll get two for one entry and you should be able to get in for about £12 with a little bit of uh, uh, nifty, nifty work. Nifty work. Nifty work indeed, Rich. I mean, it, it does look amazing. You have to go on the website and have a look and check it out because, uh, I mean, some of the dioramas at Celebration were pretty cool. 
but this looks spectacular. I mean, the Darth Vader one and the Princess Leia one are simply awesome. And then the Secret Cinema. Now, I knew nothing about Secret Cinema. It's one of those things I'd read about, and I thought, look, I'm not paying, you know, 50 quid plus for watching a film on the cinema. But the Star Wars Empire Strikes Back one is 75 quid. After all your booking fees, if you book it, it takes you up to over 80 quid. Um, but it's what they call an immersive event. So you take part in the film as such, and it goes on around you. So if you've ever been to like a theme park at like Universal Studios and done things like the Terminator 2 ride and things like that over the years, where, you're, where, where, where they, they stick you in the film as such and you, you play a part, this is what's happening. You get dressed up, they dress you up, you meet in a secret location in London, and then they take you to some kind of warehouse or whatever, and you... Uh, and you see the film unfold in, 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 in front of your eyes. So it's, I mean, I think it's something that you have to do. Um, I know the rest of you aren't doing it, but if you can, there's, there, I think there's still tickets because it runs from, um, I think it's early May to, I think it's, oh, no, actually, no, it's June 4th to September the 27th. So there's plenty of time to get tickets. I think mostly, though, the weekend ones are sold out, uh, but you can still get down in the week. But uh, it's something that I've now become obsessed by, so I shall be doing it. Okay, cheers for that, Pete. Even though Star Wars Celebration Anaheim is out of the way and Star Wars Fun Day in Burnley is out of the way, we still have a lot of conventions to look forward to throughout the summer and towards the end of the year. I'm just going to name a few that are coming up just after we release this podcast. On May 30th, we have Mersey Comic Con in Liverpool. We also have Granite City Comic Con in Aberdeen. Uh, Also, at the same time, we have Manchester Film and Comic Con. On June the 6th, we have Wickham Comic Con. June 7th, Watford Fam- uh, Film Fair Comic Con. Stu, I think me and you are thinking about going to this one. Looks like a good event. Uh, June 13th, Collectomania in Milton Keynes. June 20th, Doctor Who Cares 2 in Slough. Also on June 20th, Dale Con 3 in Rochdale. June 21st, Scumthorpe Comic Con. July 17th to 19th, London Film and Comic Con. And finally, July 25th is Romford Essex Sci-Fi Charity Convention. Look forward to them and uh, hopefully see you there. Now, let's return to the second part of the uh, podcast stage show from Anaheim. And back to you boys, first of all, with a couple of more questions about your experiences out there. Uh, Jez, part of your involvement was to help man the Force United booth. What was the interaction with fellow fans like? Mate, it was awesome. It, it was a pleasure. It was absolutely brilliant. It was great to see that it was such a family environment as well, um, which sets everything up really, really well for Celebration 3 in London next year. It was really, really cool because people were just coming by saying, oh, you know, what, what are you guys doing? We were talking about what we're doing, talking about the forum and giving out, giving out the cards, giving out the, um, the, the bits of swag which we had. But just chatting to people, the vast majority of them had a real interest in vintage collecting and everyone was upbeat. Everyone was having a really, really good time. Um, it was just a pleasure to be there and opposite the Norwich Star Wars fan club guys as well. I mean, shout out to those guys. They, they were pretty pretty awesome to see as well. Uh, we were in the whole fan collector's area. And, uh, yeah, as I said, it was an absolute pleasure, mate. It was a privilege to be there. Tell us about the archive party. Was it really just a big room filled with the biggest geeks on the planet talking about plastic toys? Um, I'm not sure if we even talked about plastic toys. There was lots of stuff to do there. Steve Danley did a brilliant job of organising it. It was nice to see all the SWCA guys there. It was packed 
with sort of like a who's who of uh, collecting. Um, me and Jez and Pete managed to have a, a chat to some of the former Kenner engineers, I think, that Brian Stillman uh, brought to the event. And it was fascinating just talking to these guys about what was it like at Kenner when the Star Wars license came to the door and everyone you've ever heard of on on the forums and people you know on Facebook, everyone was there. It was an absolute phenomenal time and uh, really appreciated all the hard work that went on to, to make that event happen. And yeah, it was a fantastic night, absolutely brilliant night. I hope there's something like it again in London. I don't know if the SWCA are going to do something like that in London. And if not, those guys can't do it. We should do it. Cracking idea. Now... During the show, did you spot an item that you wish you could have picked up if money was no object? Oh, there were so many. Um, I'm trying to think of, of one thing. I mean, the, the room sales um, in the Hilton, I think it was Hilton Hotel, on, uh, I think it was a Saturday, was it Friday? No, was it Friday night? I can't remember. One of the nights, it was all blur. There were things there which you could become bankrupt over. I mean, every table, um, people kept appearing from nowhere, and suddenly a table sprung up. Um one thing I did manage to get was a very nice um, Princess Leia card back, and a guy had a book full of this stuff, and he was selling it, selling stuff to me. I managed to get one for Jez as well, and then he decided that that was it. He didn't want to sell anymore, and he just ran away. So I would have loved to have bought some of his card backs. Um, I wouldn't have minded that that Organa Trem, um, but $375 was too much. But it was just every person you went to, you said, oh, I, you know what, I could, I could justify buying that. And in the end, after I spent all my money, I just had to run off. And that's before you even get to the, the Anaheim floor sales, actually, within the, in the convention center itself. There was a lot of vintage carded figures out there. There were some bargains to be had. Um, people were open for negotiation. I mean, just, you know, I wish I'd had more money and a bigger bag. Right, this doesn't have to be vintage Star Wars, but which Star Wars dealer... We impressed you the most, and why? Mate, there was so much to look at. There, there was, first of all, Malcolm Tween. His, his artwork is amazing. Now, I know that doesn't flick at everyone's switch, but Malcolm Tween's stuff is just fantastic. But the, the big one who really impressed me, Rich, was Prop Store, who were there, who have got... It was like a museum. They had hundreds and, and thousands of pounds worth of props there from the original trilogy, um, where it was just an absolute delight. There were people there, you know, with, with cameras just taking photographs of this stuff and, and the stuff which they had for sale or for auction. And, and if you check them out, they, they've got a store in London and in Las Vegas. The, these guys are it and they've got all of the stuff. And I think, Grant, did you pick something up from there? Yeah, I got a Robert Watts uh, Tide Pilot storyboard from them, which was nicely framed. But, you know, they had the prosthetics from Anakin Skywalker, the, the makeup prosthetics from Return of the Jedi. When Vader takes the helmet off, they had that. They had original blueprints, original storyboards. They had um, the chest unit and helmet of a Tide Pilot. They had background characters, uniforms. So it was a museum, but it was a museum where you could actually purchase items from. It was absolutely phenomenal. One thing that always intrigues me about these events is the room sales. Um, can you give me a brief description then on what blew your mind? The great thing about the room sales is it's uh, almost like a state of anarchy where you've got, if you can imagine, a bar in a pit below you, like a hotel bar, and then you've got escalators going up two or three sides of it, and then people were just literally sitting down on the floor, getting stuff out of their bag, putting it on the floor, sort of like a brick lane market kind of feel to it. And then people were just coming up and trading and buying. And you just didn't know. Every store was obviously completely different. There's an eclectic mix of modern and vintage. A full price range of, uh, of different sort of items out there. Uh, one of the highlights for me, I'm sure the other guys had different highlights, was um, 
Todd Chamberlain sat down and he had what looked like a fishing tackle box and he opened it up and it was full of Lily Letty Overstock. It got to the point where it, there was so much Lily Letty Overstock there that it stopped making any sense to me. It just looked like bits of plastic. It was just so much of it. Normally one or two pieces would blow your mind, but the quantity of it almost made it mean, meaningless. It was just phenomenal to see. Pete, which yes. guests did you get to meet and who was the coolest? Um, I'm not a big autograph collector, but I, the person I really wanted to, to listen to, uh, who was doing a panel, uh, was Dennis Muren, uh, the guy who did like all the basic, basic visual effects for the well most Star Wars films and things like Terminator 2 as well. And um, after the event, I mean, he he was really cool on stage. I mean, he was he was totally on the audience's side. Uh, he was being a bit cheeky with the people who were doing the lights, you know, getting to put them down and thought, you know, said, we're going to do this my way. And uh, just he, he came across a really nice guy. But afterwards, he said, look, anyone wants to come and have a chat, come and have a chat. So me and Spanish Dan headed over to, well, we, we didn't think we'd get anywhere near him, but he stayed. For, it must have been an hour and a half afterwards. Just He talked to everybody and we got pictures with him. And he answered everyone's question. He just stood there and, you know, without a care in the world, he wasn't in, in a hurry to go anywhere. I mean, that guy is a legend, an absolute legend, and he, he wanted to meet everybody. And he didn't seem bored or looked, you know, thinking, oh, my goodness, not another large English bloke. He, you know, he was just a, a delight, uh, one of the probably nicest people I've probably ever met in that kind of circumstance. So, uh, and, and, and one to tick off, because obviously someone who, who does visuals and stuff, he is, uh, he's been a big hero of mine. But, yeah, cool as anything. Now, Jez, you've got a good look at the uh, Force Awakens exhibition. What most intrigued you? Mate, we got an excellent look at that exhibition. We managed to sneak in there before it was opened, um, which was a bit of a coup. And, um, and so to go in there when there was only about three or four people in there, the whole thing, first of all, it's real difficult to explain, mate. It, it was just fantastic. But for me, it was the, the First Order Troopers, uh, the Hoth Trooper in particular. When you look at the images, and let's face it, there's enough online, they just look nails. They just look brilliant. The authenticity of all of the outfits and the attention to detail uh, of all of them. Carlo Ren, you know, the, the lightsaber that just looks so old. The new X-Wing, the, the Falcon. Oh, mate, I, I can't put it down to one. That's a toughie. Um, Flame Trooper, though. My good God, Flame Trooper. Yeah, that's pretty nails. Um, yeah, Flame Trooper. BB-8. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, whatever. All of it on toast. Stu, what did you think of the footage from the Force Awakens exhibition? I think Jez has just covered, actually, two things that quite intrigued me, and that was a flame-throwing Stormtrooper. It looks incredible. And BB-8... The more I see him and you see that he actually is fully working, oh, it just blows my mind to that little bit of engineering. Now, I heard you won a vintage Star Wars quiz competition. Can you tell us about that and how come you were so utterly bloody useless at the farthest from one? I wasn't drunk for this one, mate, uh, <laughs> which, which helps a lot. Yeah, I'd injured myself. Uh, my left foot had ballooned up from wearing uh, sandals um, so I could barely walk and I managed to hobble into the collector's lounge I remember Jez said to me, take a break here, why don't you enter the quiz? Now the quiz had already sort of started to begin, you know, there was people lining up. And I thought, do you know what, it'll kill some time, it might be a bit of fun. So I, I joined right at the very end of the last second, I put my hand up and said, yeah, I'll join. And the idea was, there was a queue and you would walk to the front and there was uh, two people there with a microphone and they would ask you, modern or vintage and then they would ask you a question. And if you got it right, you go back to the back of the queue, if you got it wrong, you were out of the competition. So I thought, yeah, this is great. This is just killing time. I was managing to answer the questions fine. 
I actually knew some of the modern answers as well, so I thought maybe I'll do a cheeky modern one. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it came into the semi-final, and they said to me that Grant, this is your opportunity to get into the final where you're going to actually start winning the store exclusives. I had absolutely no idea it was a serious competition. I thought we were just killing time. When they said that to me, my left leg started shaking, and uh, I got the next question wrong. <laughs> but thankfully, so did the other person. So, um, so yeah, and then the final question, the last question we had was um, name all the Ken and Mailaways. One of the problems I had was I got party toy Mailaways in my head as well, so I was thinking... Bosk, Bosk is party toys. No, it's a Kenner, it's a party toy. So there's a bit of pressure there. Uh, but no, we managed to name the seven mailaways, and uh, yeah, we won the competition. And finally, Jez, before we play our next snippet of the podcast stage, would you like to tell us who Order 66 toys are and how they got involved in our show? Rich, this was a store which completely blew my mind. I arrived there, and and they just had everything. Uh, and but the way it was displayed and the people there knew what they were talking about as well. It wasn't just someone holding a stall for someone else. Everyone who I spoke to knew what they had, and uh, and it just blew my mind. I just started talking to these people and just, you know, just having a chat, and we were just um, just chewing the fat a little bit and spoke about our podcast, and they mentioned podcasts, and I just said, right, it would be absolutely great to... Um, to you know, to learn a little bit more about you, and maybe you know, if this is the place to go, for figures and for carded figures, uh, for you know, for genuine stuff, maybe we should get together. So we invited them onto the podcast. It was a bit of a, uh, it was a bit of an impulsive thing, but we said, hey, why don't you come along? And uh, and they came and joined us. And what was great is that they were so so cool. They just said, yeah, well, do you need anything for your podcast? So they were so good that they ended up giving us three large Rebels figures. And when I say large, I'm talking about the ones which are about two and a half feet tall. And they gave us a Minton card Klaatu as well, just as a giveaway. So for all the people who were there at our podcast, Order 66 were front and center, right next to GW Acrylic. Um, and ours was definitely the podcast to be. We've got a recording of these guys on our stage. The time has come. Execute Order 66. Yes, my lord. Okay, so like you said, we're Order 66 Toys. We are the only all-Star Wars store in the nation. So we're located just outside of Dallas, just north of Dallas. And we specialize in everything that's Star Wars. So, but with us this weekend for celebration, uh, we really focused on some of the vintage pieces. So we brought almost all vintage and then the newest Rebel stuff since the Rebels cast was here. Um, and we've got some of the rarest pieces. We brought three Blitz figures with us and some bottom cape Jawas, some double telescopers. Um, so we really, we really try to bring the, the highest end stuff that we can. Uh, but it's not always easy to find. Like we buy all over the world, so uh, it's really tough. But what's amazing me is how much stuff is out there. Like just at celebration, how much Japanese and how much uh, uh, Spanish stuff and uh, UK stuff that I've seen. It's awesome. I've got to be honest with you guys. Um, I've been collecting for 21 years, and your store is better than my collection. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. You would hope so. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but Yak Face, yeah, we've got we've got several of those, uh, and 
Gosh, they're just, they're just amazing figures. We still um, have, what, the graded yak face, and then we have two on card. Yeah, but but you're right about the R2, the R2 pop-up lightsaber. I, I've had more yak faces in the last year, uh, uh, probably about six or eight of those, and only two R2s on the card with the pop-up lightsaber. And almost every loose one I find is missing the saber, so... It's a pretty rare piece. Yeah, I think the Yak face is a holdover from the pre-internet uh, times when it was a it was a scarce figure. You know, hopefully some kid would have it in his loft. But now with eBay, you can pick up a Yak face on eBay any day. The R2 pop-up saber, forget about it. Especially the repro market on those things as well is massive. So I think that's where the money is. And if you see a carded one, I would buy it definitely. Which um, just out of interest, which Yak face? figures do you have? Both of the ones that we have right now at the show are uh, tri-levels. Okay. Uh, we haven't had a, a, a Power of the Force one in a while. Well, how much did the last one go for, of so interest, as a market person? Oh, the last one I think we sold was around uh, 10,000. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty high. It very rarely comes up. I mean, I think one came up at auction loose, as in the card was loose, the figure was loose. I think someone, I mean, it just literally at least we got a car and it went for over 700 pounds, which is about 1,200-ish. So it just goes to show what the value of that is. Yeah, it's quite amazing. I'm just going to interrupt just for a second, uh, because I know it's lady. Every time you were uh, cracking a joke or what could be described as, you know, an attempt at a joke, uh, this lady was actually laughing at the joke. Yeah! <laughs> we got it. Uh, it's nothing mine. Thank you very much. You laughed at our joke. What tattoo did you get? Oh, I have a uh, Boba Fett helmet with some flowers over here and a VII on top for Celebration 7. Awesome. Shout out to Lou Skywalker. He's amazing. You should guys uh, should check him out. Awesome. Well, thank you guys very much indeed. Just finally, can you just tell us once again online how people can check out your store? We are on order66toys.net. Uh, we're offering 10% discount for all of our media friends, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we're also on iTunes with our, with our Sons of the Order podcast, so come check us out, guys. Thanks very much. Thank you. Right, now let's go over to Pete for this month's market. Petey Weedy. Yes, well, we covered a lot of stuff that we saw in Anaheim, but just as we were leaving, and uh, I think you guys were in probably in the air, and I was there, and it was far too early in the morning, um, but Vectis had the auction we talked about, the Mark Jackson auction. Uh, there was other Star Wars stuff available, but Mark Jackson was selling a lot of his collection off, and it featured all sorts of shop displays and kind of items we don't see often at Vectis. Without going through the whole auction, a few of the highlights, yeah, special action figure villain set, uh, that was like the biggest item he sold. That went for £2,000, which um, I think is kind of like well, sort of normal for that sort of thing. Um, there were a few bits and pieces which I know the guys here went for. Uh, there was a Yak Face tri-logo went for £660. But Grant, you were... Well, basically, I could become bankrupt if you won everything. Did you win anything at all? Because I know you put on about 30 bids. No, I got smashed on everything. <laughs> how much did you, just out of interest, how much did you put on to the, um, the desk and chairs? Which was oh, that? the desk and chairs, I wasn't too bothered about because of the room that they would take up and also trying to 
pick this stuff up. I, I don't know if you've seen Rich's car. It's very small. The desk and chairs are probably about the same size as his car, so it would just be a nightmare for him. So I only put about 60 quid on those. I didn't expect to win it. There were some bids I just bought. I'll just chuck a cheeky bid on. Other stuff I went for seriously, but now I got smashed on everything. Because those, those two units, uh, there was the, the um, Return, of Jedi, <coughs> Return of Jedi desk and chair, and that went for... It was only 160. I, I thought that had gone for more because it's it's quite a big piece, and also you know it's well you could use it if you were slightly mad. Um, but Stu, you were thinking about the the little um, Ewok bookcase. Did you have a pop on it? Did you win it? I I didn't in the end, mate, because I thought Grant had a little bit on it, and I didn't want to um step on his toes. But I was surprised it only went for 150 quid. Um, again, it's quite a, something that doesn't come up every day. Um, and other other things which slightly surprised me the uh, <laughs> the rather tall Imperial Guard die cut standee I think it was 64 inches I think it is it's pretty big it had all sorts of stuff attached to it as well and that only went for 90 pounds I mean it looked just looks amazing I mean um, I saw it when I actually visited Vectis recently and it did look impressive they hadn't actually sent it off as did the C3PO did anyone have a go at that one you you did didn't you Grant uh, yeah I did but. <sighs> Bruce White said in the lap, when we had him on for the main interview that he couldn't buy the Sigma mug because it was so ugly. <laughs> and I was bidding on the C-3PO thing, and I, I just heard Bruce White's voice in my mind, and I was like, dude, to be honest, I, I really don't want to win this. <laughs> so um, I only put like £100 on it or something like that. So, But it's actually quite a rare piece. It's it's unusual to, to come across. It, I mean, I've, I took some pictures when I went to see Vectors, and it was really nice looking. Um, I don't think the pictures did it justice. It's not saying, not to say that uh, pictures are bad, but it really didn't show how wonderfully golden it looked. And that went for 240 quid. So I think Mark did pretty well. He, he sold a lot of stuff. Um, but I don't think any of us won anything. I had a few cheeky bids on things, but I think my mind was kind of focused on uh, on Anaheim. Um, on the way back from Anaheim... Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, oh. can I just stop you there? Nobody, on, of, nobody <laughs> of any importance won anything, is, is what you're referring to there. Yeah. I think, if, I think you find that some of us may have won something at uh, Vectis. Rich, you actually won something? I did. Come on. Well, there was, there was hardly any loose figures. What's going on? 28 corded bendems. <laughs> and there was not a single fet amongst the whole lot. Oh, Rich... Can we ask how much you spent on 28 Bendhams? Well, there was much more than that in there, but I'd spent... Uh, it probably worked out about £2.50 a Bendham, so um, <laughs> I'm not going to try and recoup my money back from them. Rip off. <laughs> Do you have a Luke X I did rip them off. That's exactly what I did, Grant. I ripped them straight off. The 14 a- I wanted anyway. Actually, the Luke X-Wing one is actually quite rare in Bendham terms, so uh, that's actually worth quite a bit. So I'd get in there quickly, Joseph, are you? Was well, that one worth four quid? It's worth at least five pounds. <laughs> no, the, uh, you were pinted out of home. <laughs> some, some of the some of the prices of those of the Luke X wing uh, are quite high. So uh, I think Rich might be able to win it if he's got any of those. Was it was that all you won, Rich, in your little lot? Yeah, I picked up thousands of pounds worth of stuff, uh, and obviously they were just bringing these boxes out. I was going, it's not for me, it's not for me, and 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 I was. Uh, I had both clutches at the time, so it was very, very difficult to get these into my car. So uh, th- thankfully, Cathy gave us a hand getting them, getting them loaded up. I hope, I hope people appreciate that you're becoming this, uh, this kind of odd northern um, <laughs> middleman for Vectis. I think, I think people should start giving you, <laughs> giving cash to you or charity or something, because it seems like you're, uh, you're, you're helping their business. 
yeah, there's, there's certainly recognises when I go down there. It's like, oh, bloody hell, you again. Yeah, they um, when, when I switched them, they did seem to kind of like, said, oh, it's, it's Rich again. Old uh, one leg. <laughs> so, on the way back from Anaheim, in my crazy several-day trip um, via Aberdeen, I, dr- I thought I'd drive through, and on the way up I saw Rich, on the way back I thought I'd pop in and see Vectus. Because uh, I wanted to see what they're up to, and we had a good chat about um, their relationship with the podcast and all that sort of stuff. And I was amazed, amazed to see this Beaches auction that we've uh, all been talking about and has been on the forum a lot, and to see exactly how much there was. Now, I popped in there, and I didn't quite expect to see 125 pallets of toys. Now, the Star Wars to- they have found some Star Wars toys, but they don't know what's there. Now, Rich, you also you visit on a regular basis, but you also popped in to have a look at this. I mean, what did you make of that Beaches lot? Well, I don't know which way you went in, but it was odd the way they took me in. Um, I, I started in the bottom corner, and the, the Kathy was going, oh, look at all these wonderful uh, mocks. And you know me, I just glanced past and went, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, I did notice there was the tri-logo that uh, had been defaced by Sean Crawford, uh, the yak, which was a bit of a shame. That's that's back up the seal. And then she took us down to the Palatoy um, salesman stuff, and there was, obviously there was a lot of interesting things there, and obviously I saw the 12 packs. And then they the pulled the doors open, and I, I looked in this room, and it was exactly like that Indiana Jones um, ending. And I was just, oh, my God. And it was just, as you say, row after row, 10 foot high of boxes, um, so much stuff. I, I, you could be there for years and probably not catalog the whole lot. It, it, it was it was a sea of pallets. Um, it, was a warehouse, it is a warehouse full of stuff. And I said there's there's things that have been sitting there in that in that shop for you know almost decades that have not been touched, apart from you know rat poo and pigeon poo. So uh, so yeah, I, I, it was nice for Vectors actually to let us in. I mean, and actually and actually give me a real honest tour of everything. I mean, they let me take pictures. Uh, we talked about stuff, talked about the podcast, talked about the trip. Um, I, I mean, if anyone is randomly passing the north. Then it is worth giving them a bow or just popping in and, and saying hi. I mean, they, they were very open, very honest. There was no hiding of anything or saying that you can't show that. Um, obviously, there'd be some stuff um, tucked away that probably wouldn't show to the average Joe like us. But um, yeah, it's. I, I think Vectors are trying their hardest to, uh, to to really engage themselves with the Star Wars community. So um, I know the forum gives them a bit of a hard time, but they've uh, so far been been a real good bunch and uh, they helped pay for a lot of our stuff. And advertising, we went over to to Anaheim, so a big thanks for that. Um, our badges and business cards and T-shirts and stuff. Something that came up on the forum uh, recently, um, which kind of came out of uh, left field, as it often does, was an amazing set of, of eBay auctions for Meccano cards. Um, now, I really do implore you to go and have a look at these, because I've never seen them before. Um, I don't know how, well, if you guys have ever come across them. But this lot went, I think there were about 20 of them. Um, the ones that have been shown on the forum, they went for quite amazing amounts of money. Um, just, I just very quickly go through, through a few. At Ugnaught, Empire Strikes Back went for 301 euros. This is just the card back. Uh, a Warus Man Star Wars one went for 301. Uh, there was a, ooh, a Boba Fett, uh, Empire Strikes Back went for 1,000 euros. Now, Grant, you're slightly crazy um, and like to buy a piece of cardboard for vast amounts of money. Would you buy... Is there a TIE Fighter Pilot Meccano card and how much would you spend on it? 
there, there isn't a Thai pilot Bacano car. Oh. But if there was, I'd probably spend about, oh, I don't know, about £1,001. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I think these prices were, were just amazing. Stu, what about a nice, uh, nice Greedo Meccano if it exists? It does exist, yes. Um, 460 euros, would you have gone for that? How much? 460 euros. Uh, yes, yes, I'd probably, yeah. Stretch for that for that. Um, I don't know if I would be able to stretch to up to like the thousand pound, which like Grant's talking about. Rich, you love cardboard. Well, I was looking at the R5 D4 one. Uh, would I pay 403 euros for it? Well, now that I know that a corded one was sold for 8,000 recently, <laughs> um, perhaps 403 euros isn't really that bad a price, guys. What? Do these things come up often at all? I've never seen... I mean, I've only seen a few Meccano covers. So there were, there were a handful that Mark Jackson sold in that recent Vectus auction. But, I mean, is this something that comes up at all often? I mean, I've never seen any of these before. When you look at some of the proofs which are out there, you know, people are now paying £400, £450, £500 for a proof. And there are quite a few of those out. You know, the revenge proofs. I've got revenge proofs. They're the most common ones. You know, the Meccano Luke X-Wing square cut. Um, apparently, there's only about three or four known of those. So for me to pay that much, yeah, I'd absolutely get one of those, mate. They are rare, and, and that's just a bit of cardboard like a proof is. Yeah, the um, the Meccano Empire Strikes Back as well, they're just, you never see that come up for sale at all. So I'm not surprised everyone went mental on them. But if those rows you say, then, then almost the money spent... I mean, it's, you know, in, in consideration of things like palatoy cards um, and stuff like that, maybe they weren't as bad as, it, as they seemed. I mean, you know, you know, 500 euros for a Lando Calrissian Empire Strikes Back card. I mean, you know, you probably aren't going to find that that figure, are you, on that card complete? So that might be your only way of getting that card ever. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you're right. So maybe, maybe they were bargains in the end. I mean, I mean, a few of them went for 300 euros and had a Han Solo one. I know. I think I have seen that one here and there. It, I think it has a little bit damaged as well, but um, or a Yan solo, should we call them? Um, that only went for 152 euros, which, which sounds like a veritable bargain. Yeah, some of the uh, Star Wars ones, you do see the familiar faces of. Uh, I think it's Ben, Leia, obviously the Jawa, and I think Han Solo. You know, they they do pop up a lot, and you can, you can find carded examples of them. Um, I don't think I've ever seen an Empire Meccano one ever come up for sale. Um, having mentioned the Beaches auction, um, that's coming up at, uh, Vectors at the end of this month, well, at the end of May, um, it is such an enormous auction, and I think and it's only the first part of it. This is not a comprehensive list of what's there. I mean, I mean, it's not just Star Wars stuff, uh, that they've, they've got to sort through, so I'm sure we're going to get more and more fines popping up over the next, you know, year, I'd imagine, because it will take them that long. Uh, to find. So we'll cover that in more detail probably after the event because there is so much stuff and uh, I think this is going to be a trend for the rest of the year. We are going to get auctions full of Star Wars things. I mean some 12 backs popped up on uh, at uh, a Denim's auctions recently and, and went for sort of the average price of of some of the, the Palatoy 12 backs that, that we have seen at Vectis. So these things are popping up and I think uh, the market's going to get more and more crowded over this uh, this year leading up to the Force Awakens. Right, now on to the final part of the Anaheim Live show that the boys did. A uh, couple more questions then, just to close out Anaheim. 
Celebration is known for the outstanding props and dioramas. Which one was the one that you had to get a photo in front of, and did you manage to control yourself with all the amount of slavery as around? Uh, no, I didn't control myself. That was great. Um, I, I didn't. The, the queues for the dioramas are really, 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 really long, um, especially the last few days. So um, I did get obviously a few pictures with the slave leer kind of crowd of all slave leers. Uh, I managed to get myself a picture of myself with two blonde slave leers in front of Jabba, um, which is quite nice. Uh, so lots of Jabbers there. Hey. Uh, but I also got a lot of pictures of me with anyone who's dressed as Amidala or anyone who dressed as Princess Leia. I managed to get a picture of myself with them um, throughout the exhibition. So I think Jez still has some pictures to forward me. And uh, Mr. Spanish Dan also has quite a few. So I should be putting those on Facebook in, in the next few months when they ever get around to selling them to me. Was there enough Star Wars around to satisfy all types of collector? Yep, absolutely. Next question. Mate, there was loads. It, it was, there was just, it was off the scale. It was mental. For example, if there was a solely Bendham collector, was there enough to satisfy that collector? Well, that's the real trick, isn't it? Yes, um, there's Bendhams everywhere. Yeah, I, I I think there may have been some Bendhams. There were Bendhams, but I just, um, I, I avoided them like the plague. Um, the the Bendhams were usually in the boxes underneath the tables, but yeah. there was there was loads of them. More in my love, we got a lot of areas after some Bendhams, and it was a case of yeah, they drag them out. Uh, but there was something for everyone. It it was crazy. It was amazing. If someone was unsure about attending Celebration London, what would you say to them? Well, first of all, I think the most important thing to do is do your research, get your app. Plan your every day, know exactly what you want to do, and when you get there, forget about all that nonsense, throw it all out the window and just enjoy yourself. Don't worry about chasing panels or anything like that because it's all going to be streamed, it's all on YouTube, just enjoy yourself. And for me, the highlight, except for the incredible trailer, was actually the people, the people that you meet there, that, that they will make a celebration. So just make sure you get out there and chat to as many people as you can and, and just take it in your stride. Make sure you drink lots of water as well, you're going to need it. Absolutely. Pete, would you add any tips uh, for London attendees on top of that? Yeah, whatever you do, if you're Welsh especially, do not wear sandals to walk around because you're on your feet all day long. So um, unless you're queuing where you can sit down or lie down. But uh, I I would add into that. I mean, I'd kind of disagree a little bit with Grant there. I I would have a little look at the plan beforehand and have a loose plan of, right, do you want to go for the big stuff? Then you've got to kind of sacrifice a lot of the day queuing. Obviously, that won't happen in London as much, but you never know. Um, or if you go for small stuff, you know, just get there early enough to get into the small queues. Um, but just, yeah, just just try and get as much as you can in. You know, don't just do panels. Don't just do the big events. Don't just do, you know, wandering on the floor. Try and mix it up a little bit. Um, but, the, but it is, yeah, the, the people in America, for me, made it. Um, they're so everyone was so chatty and friendly to you. No matter who you were sitting next to on the floor queuing for five hours to see Mark Hamill, they would talk to you. And we made lots of friends that way. And uh, and I'm sure hopefully some of those people will come over to London. But um, it's interesting you've said about the people there, Pete. Because uh, Jez, before getting into the last segment with John Morton, would you like to tell us about the wedding that you attended? And I hope you got some cake. Yeah, that was crazy. I managed to get into the celebration store uh, slightly earlier just to get some stuff for some of the guys from the forum. And as I was walking past, I was walking past uh, Steve Soundsweet's um, Rancho Obi-Wan, and they said, oh, uh, would you like to come in and, and view a wedding? 
And there was a few other people walking past just saying, oh, no, no. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Why not? It's Star Wars and I'm in America and those just things would work together. So there I was in Rancho Obi-Wan with stormtroopers as, I don't know, probably bridesmaids. And, uh, and there was R2-D2. It was, a, it was a crazy set and it was really, really good. And, uh, and I believe the lady was called Melissa. I think the chap was called John. Uh, and and in they come, and it was a real sweet story. And believe it or not, Steve Sansweet was the man who was the, um, you know, the the vicar, the the guy, the uh, the one who was you know ordained or have a given legal permission to to hold the wedding. And with so many nods to Star Wars, and his his speech, his whole sermon was amazing. You know, luminous beings are we, and and it was great, and and it was really really cool. And you just saw these stormtroopers behind him just nodding in agreement with everything he was saying it, it was just a really surreal yet cool experience which i was fortunate enough to be there and uh and it was ace and i've got some of it i recorded some of it some of it's in the video which i've made and yet wedding cake i absolutely did um i think what, what do they call it lil debbie's the sponsor of several of the old podcasts yeah there was um steve sansweet had there a big bucket of lil debbie's um i think intergalactic cupcakes or what have you and uh, I know the wedding cake was absolutely delicious and I think a couple of nights later when me and Grant had the munchies we uh, we dived into a few of those um, later on. Pete there was one thing which stood out massively in Rancho Obi-Wan which this time around was dedicated to fan art and it was absolutely amazing looking at all the stuff it was the huge big painting the huge big mural which took up um, a pretty much a whole wall there which had everything to do with Star Wars in. Now, you've got a lot more information on that, haven't you? Well, I mean, I, I spoke to the artist um, because you couldn't really just kind of walk past it and not notice it was there because uh, it, it, was, it was done in oils. So to get that kind of like, that level of, um, I don't know, shine, I mean, it really stands out, it pops at you. And to use oils for that is, you know, that's a lot of work and a lot of... Uh, um, Endeavour, but the guy's name is Robert Xavier Burden. He's a really nice chap, um, and he's I think I think it's called the 20th Century Space Opera. But um, it's it's a huge mural, but it's all about vintage Star Wars figures. Uh, there's a few other little kind of Easter eggs in there and all sorts of stuff. But I mean, you you'll just look at a section and go, oh look, there's Luke Skywalker with his with his you know hand up, and then next to him will be the Rebel Transporter, and then the Y-Wing Fighter, then, you know, Han Bespin, and, and it all kind of links in with various things from his childhood and uh, and all kinds of, of, you know, fandom and stuff. I mean, we'll, again, I'll, I'll put pictures of what I've, I've taken at the exhibition, but he'll hopefully come on and speak to us. But this mural is amazing. Um, I've got a, couple of po got a couple of postcards actually lying around, which I'm sure if anyone's interested, they can have one. Um, and uh, I think he's done prints, so you can buy them, and all, all the proceeds go to Rancho Obi-Wan. Um, but if you want to buy it, and you've got a spare $120-odd-thousand, um, he will probably sell it to you. Um, but I think he, he's trying to get around about $200,000 for it. But I have to say, I know it sounds mad, but it is worth it, because it is phenomenal. Right, so wonderful memories there, lads, and uh, sounds like you've had an absolute blast. So let's hear the last part of the podcast stage show, and I believe this was with John Morton, the actor from Empire.
can we guys keep a secret though? We can care for We can, oh, hang on a second, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, we have VIP. Please welcome back John Morton. Yeah, we're just going to have the seats arranged like this and say that. Okay, I am going to talk to this. I hold like that for you. We're doing the slow speed interview. <laughs> yeah. We have a malfunction in fire control. No. <laughs> so how's everybody out there? Yeah, how you feeling today? Woo! Wow, what a fan group you got here, boy. Now I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you the funny part of this. Um, the first. In the first appearance I had, it wasn't a convention. It was when I was discovered uh, back in Annapolis in 1997, and I was asked to introduce the uh, re-release up there at uh, the Senate Theater in Baltimore, and they said, you're going to make a speech from the stage, which I did. And uh, it was massive, packed. And when I came down off the stage, everybody's clapping and yelling and screaming at me and saying things. So I sat down with my family at the very back of the theater, and one of my cousins says to me, hey, what are they all saying to you, John? And I said, I, I have no idea. Well, there's this young man, real hip, young 17-year-old, you know when you're 17, you know everything. Well, this guy clearly was a fanboy, and he was clocking everything that was going on behind him because Dak was sitting there, right? And when I came up with it, I don't know what they're saying to me. He leaned over with great disgust, <laughs> and he said, "Your lines." <laughs> so there is a lesson to be learned there. So ever since, I've made an effort to try to learn as much as I can about Star Wars, because <laughs> I don't want to disappoint you. So now, now I'm done, man. I'm I'm pretty cool. I got it. Yeah. I still don't know my lines. <laughs> So I can tell you characters, and I know that snow speeders are known as adats now. They, I don't think they existed as adats when we were shooting the film. They were called imperial snow speeders, and I don't know what they said on the uh, on the, the film script, uh, but I'm sure they didn't say adats. And now these guys seem to know that maybe there's an answer. They walkers. Yeah, they were imperial walkers. Do you yeah. still feel like you can take the whole empire on yourself? No, I'm smart now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I got stepped on, I got wise. <laughs> I think that's a question for John, just to get under and, uh, and far away. Anyone else have a question for him at all? Before he asks you a question. No, right. If you disappear, yeah. Okay, we got, we got questions. Question number eight. I'm going to tell you that the, the bit at the end is the answer, so don't read the answer. Oh, okay. So just read. And this is to win a, a carded uh, Klaatu, okay? Now, which country had the wind-up R2-D2 on a car? Oh, who was first then? Well, this man was first. Which country had the wind up R2D2 on a Japan, car? Japan, Takara. Oh no, was it? Oh, oh, no, 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 What does he get for a Nothing. Who's your name? I think it's in the hat, I think. Whatever. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I thought you did it. What's the answer? No, sir. That's not the right answer. That was a baggie, for sure. Yeah, that was a baggie. That wasn't a card. Who was next? Oh, I don't know. There's a few hands went up. Uh, you put your hands down. Oh, we've got Mr. Rancher, open one over here. Give him a go. Sure. 
Okay, okay. China? No. no. United States. Oh, who's next? Canada. 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 Just to, uh, just to go through this, it was the uh, Takara, which was uh, obviously uh, Japanese, which uh, George Lucas um, saw, loved, said to Kenner, can you put that on a card, can we reproduce this? Kenner didn't, Kenner Canada did, and they are particularly rare. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the most recent one I saw, sold a couple of years ago, for about five and a half thousand dollars. So, um, mm. yeah, Canada is the answer. John, what we've got here, I think it's... It would not be rude for us to ask you, I haven't got too long left. It's actually why you are here at this conference, apart from being a big Star Wars actor. You did actually have a panel earlier in the week, didn't you? And Jez was on it. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, in my, my day job, now that I'm out of showbiz, actually, as a working actor, I, I work in Washington, D.C., and I'm a consultant, believe it or not, to the United States Navy, and also done a lot of work with Homeland Security. And I found that uh, since getting inducted into the Rebel Legion and the Garrison and the Mandalorian Mercs, that there are a lot of men and women out there who are EMTs, firefighters, law enforcement, military, uh, veterans, active duty, and, and the like. And uh, when we start talking, everybody sort of asks, well, what are you doing now? Thinking I'm saying, you know, I'm in Los Angeles doing X, Y, or Z. Or Z for you people. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I say, no, I'm a consultant in Washington. I work, you know, in defense, aerospace, homeland security. Well, well, I'm a firefighter or, you know, or I'm a you know, fighter jock or whatever. So there is a vast number of folks in the fan base who are in the military, and it doesn't really, you know, track uh, that much. <clears throat> people don't think of that, you know, Star Wars as being kind of fantasy and military people being really down to earth. Well, there is an interface. <coughs> and there is a kind of a need, I think, to reinforce what these men and women are doing. So I pitched the idea to Mary Franklin, and she accepted it very enthusiastically. She's a really game young lady. Uh, I don't know if anybody's met Mary or know her, but she's one terrific, unique individual. And so she went with it and said, fine. So I worked with the SoCal Garrison, uh, Leslie Parker, who's here today in the 501st area, and she's she put, helped me put together the panel. We had three Navy chiefs, um, African-American, um, a, uh, a young lady who's a fire, um, gunner's, you know, gunner's mate, very tough woman, but gorgeous. And uh, everybody kind of, you know, shared what uh, Star Wars has done for them uh, on ships in Afghanistan and the streets of uh, Texas where one deputy sheriff was there on the panel with us. And um, it's quite humbling to hear the stories. And I hope that we're gonna be able to do this again at the next celebration. I think we're gonna to have to get a lot of uh, um, feedback back to Lucasfilm and say, hey, you know, this time we wanna fill, fill the arena. Because uh, we didn't really have it filled up. But for the people who were there, I think Jez can speak up to it. Uh, you know, it was really meaningful. I had a lot of folks coming up to my table and saying, hey, thank you for doing this and we wanna see it again. Yeah, it was great. Sorry guys, I drank too much beer. Um, <laughs> should we go on for another hour? Yeah. Have you, you got Mary Franklin's phone number? We just give a text. <laughs> or? Unfortunately, guys, it looks it looks like we're running out of time. 
Can we just give John a big round of applause? maybe six of these podcasts uh, in this very room, and uh, this is the most entertaining. <laughs> it's just a beer. You all are awesome. Did you give them everybody get a beer? Is that what this is? Yeah. 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 You're an amazing group. I know. Look at all these smiling faces. Always talk with me they smile. Okay. <laughs> well, as my other alter ego would say, you're no good to be dead. <laughs> Rogue group, use your harpoons and tow cables. Go for the legs. It might be our only chance of stopping them. All right, stand by, Dak. Oh, Luke, we've got a malfunction in fire control. I'll have to cut in the auxiliary. Just hang on. Hang on, Dak. Get ready to fire that tow cable. Right, so we're moving on towards the end of this podcast, but last month, Jez set a, uh, a challenge to people regarding his Wookiee cookies. Jez, can you take it from here? Well, it, I don't think it was me, was it? I think it was a young lady set the challenge to, but yes, a challenge indeed was set. And since the last podcast, there have been dozens of Wookiee cookies being made, uh, and I actually have and looked at them and seen the photos which we've received through the Facebook group and emailed to us. The uh, the person who laid down the challenge, Jan Imogen, has looked at it and can crown the winner of the Wookiee Cookie Challenge as DB94 Colin with some amazing photos, which I think we've got up on our Facebook page, guys. Colin, well done. You are the winner and the Wookiee Cookie Champion. A round of applause all around. Well, congratulations, Colin. Um, on to this month's feedback. Rich, have we had any feedback for the podcast, episode 12? Yeah, surprisingly we had more feedback about the song than anything else, and it was quite clear that the song was a massive hit, which was the frozen parody of Do You Want to Kill Some Rebels? I think we had lots of fathers with young kids who found it irritatingly catchy, and I'm sure they'll never look at frozen the same way again. The new LA format got uh, quite a lot of praise, clear to big hit, uh, they enjoyed the short, sharp shout-outs, uh, much more captivating than the old format, and uh, a lot of guys really enjoyed hearing their name get a shout in the podcast, so it's something we want to keep going. Too many Southern Softies seem to think that I deserve more stick from you guys. Uh, can I just say that all names have been added to the need to speak to at Father's From list, which is growing rapidly. And finally, a big shout-out to Jane Simmons, who discovered we couldn't be found on iTunes. Thankfully, that issue has now been resolved, and we're pleased that all episodes are available for downloading once again. I do believe, though, that we've got some feedback from Chris Jorgulius, Grant. Uh, would you like to tell us about that? Yeah, Chris Jorgulius from the Star Wars Collector's Archive uh, contacted me on Rebel Scum and said that he's just been uh, listening to episode 10, and he gave us some information about the Scout Walker Command Tower. I don't know if you guys remember, we were talking this at the end of the market section, I believe. And Stu, I knew you were incredibly concerned about the safety of this, but I'd like to report to you, via Chris, that the actual tower was cemented into the ground. It'd be per perfectly safe from tipping, was his exact words. And the bike itself 
is plastic over a tubular steel frame, so it's uh, it's pretty safe. I know you were concerned about the safety hazard of that. <laughs> You're having a laugh, aren't you? Have you seen, has, has you seen this? Have you seen Stu? There's no way concrete's going to bear keep keep it safe from him. <laughs> well, I can go to America and bring one piece of scaffold back a month. <laughs> Be fine. Right, right. Some lovely feedback again. If you'd like to leave us feedback, uh, email us at swfukpodcast at gmail dot com or on Twitter and Facebook. Right, this month's rapid fire question then, lads. Um, the last ones have been about the film, so for the first time, I'm going to hit one of the figure questions. What is your favourite figure from the first twelve? And we'll kick off with Richard. I'm going to have to say Luke Formboy. I think it epitomises um, Star Wars collecting. Everybody's got a Formboy in the collection, and I can certainly remember playing with that figure a lot more than I can any of the other Lukes. I'm pretty sure I also stole my X-Wing Blaster at some point as well. Pete? Oh, come on. <laughs> you must know the answer to this question. Uh, Chewbacca, obviously. Uh, Jez? Yeah, same as Rich. Luke Farnboy is the man. Uh, Grant? Uh, Jawa, greatest figure in the whole lot, the whole collection. What about you, Stu? Come on, no. save, th- save this round for us, because the answers were pretty weak. I've, I've asked this question, and... I'm sure we've done this before, you know. Do you? I'm no. sure of it. I'm sure we've had, we've had, like, what's your favourite figure in the line? Joe, you know what? I, I, I'm going to go something different. I'm going I'm to say Han Solo because he was probably the most played with figure out of the first. We had all the first 12, and he was probably the most played with. So, so uh, little harm. Right, finally, right, so a big thank you this month to Gus Lopez and Duncan Jenkins for coming on the Vintage News, and I believe you Anaheim boys owe some thank yous. Yeah, thanks to you. I know this might sound a little bit tedious, but I really feel that there was a lot of people out there that I want to give a shout-out to who made Anaheim such a special experience. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you to Katie and Jason Smith for letting us stay over there and have a curry at their place with Ben Coomba. Uh, big thanks to the British Airways stewardess who bumped us up to business class. I can't remember your name. Maybe Jez can. Thank you so much. I, I doubt you listen to this podcast. We met thousands of people at Anaheim, either in taxis or the Force United booth or on the show floor in queues and panels, room sales, parties, hotel bars. So I'd just like to name a couple out. Big thanks to Ian Sanderson, Sean Kay, Bobby Sharp, Paul Armory, Ross Barr, Paul Bateman, Andrew Davis, Jenny Bennett, Matt Booker, Bill McBride, Tom Burgess, I love you, man. Bruce White, you're a, you're a legend. Bobby Bobs, Brian Cameron, who's the best bush pilot in the Outer Rim. James Burns, Todd Chamberlain, Carl Easter, Chris Cordulius, Chris Gore, Craig Spivy, Darren Simpson, Marcus Dorin, Robert Doggerty, Duncan Jenkins, Mr. Mustache himself, Randy Van Dyke, Martin Dahl, Stefan Falcourt, Filthy Ducati, Daniel Franco, uh, Gary Mancini and Fee, Gus Lopez, that collecting track is beyond what the biggest dreams uh, a collector would want. Absolutely amazing. Gary Haygood, Bill Haver of the Bounty Hunters podcast, Graham Hughes, Jay Williams, Jake Reapers, Chris B, and all the Galaxy of Toys crew, Mark Newbold, Todd Osborne. Todd, I'm so happy to finally meet you, mate. I wish we were neighbours. Ron Salvador, Matthias Rendell, Dave from Rancho B1, and Steve uh, Sansweet, and I know I've missed some out there. Uh, the Kivecast boy, Steve Danley, who it was absolutely fantastic. The archive party was immense. And Sky Payne, who probably worked harder than anyone I know to make sure that everyone had a good time at Celebration Anaheim. Um, on the podcast stage, I'd like to say thank you to Christian from GW Acrylic for giving us acrylic giveaways and Ian Sanderson for coming on to the panel. Um, Paul Armory also for coming on to the panel. He's a drinking wingman of mine. 
And thank you so much for driving me back to the hotel on the last night when I was in agony with my foot injury. Big thanks to Order 66 from Dallas, who are so amazing with their support and for, for their giveaways for the podcast. Guys, we will be in touch soon. Uh, a massive, massive thank you to Emily Morton for organizing her father to come onto her panel. And to John Dak Morton, you really made our celebration experience absolutely magical. I think your commitment to the fans is extraordinary, and I'm so glad to have spent much of my celebration in your company. The force will be with you always. And to everyone I've forgotten, uh, thank you so much. If there's anything myself or the podcast guys can do in which to help or to celebrate Star Wars with you, please contact us. You're all legends. Finally, a uh, big thank you to Mary Franklin, Reed Pop, Disney, and Lucasfilm for believing in us and allowing us to play it at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. And finally, a massive thank you to Jez and Pete. We made it, boys. Right, and here's mine and Jez's list. <laughs> I was just about to say, Pete and Jez, has Grant forgotten anyone off his two and a half thousand name list? Uh, no, he hasn't, but uh, there's a couple of randoms. Um, I can't remember the names, well, one of them. The guy who won the prizes from Order 66. If you are listening to this podcast, please get in touch, because I can't remember his blooming name, and he was an absolute star. Uh, we spoke to each other for a long time in a queue, and uh, him and his family turned up. The whole family came to the podcast, which was amazing. Um, and also Darth Baxter, Dave Baxter, who is a almost seven foot tall Darth Vader. And I spent a, quite a few hours with him in a bar talking about all sorts of crazy stuff. And he was one of those nicest people I've ever met. He was amazing. Um, and also Bruce White and his partner, uh, they, gave, they gave me two badges which people were talking about all weekend. So thanks to those badges, guys. They were, they were brilliant. And all the people gave me badges. Um, I think my favourite has to be the ice cream uh, machine badge, which people loved. They were always talking about those kind of badges, so thanks to all of them. Yeah, well, I, I was going through it, and just, you know, exactly like you were saying, um, Mary Franklin, Lucasfilm, Repop for taking a chance on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure and privilege. Um, we spoke about, you know, John and Emily Morton. Uh, for me in particular, um, having them on the podcast, but being on the stage with... Um, with John as well that was an absolute privilege it was great it was wonderful to finally meet Todd and Jamie Chamberlain obviously Jamie was there working tirelessly um, behind the stall as well which was brilliant Malcolm Tween I've already mentioned is, is the British artist who does uh, some fantastic work at pretty much every celebration there um, everyone who cosplayed you know I want to big up them because these guys go to these celebrations uh, and, and the thought, the time, the energy which goes into these costumes and how many times are they stopped saying, oh, can I have a photograph, can I have a photograph? You know, they're giving up their time. They, they could do so much more during the day if they didn't stop for everyone. But they do, they stop for everyone. And they've always got a cheery smile, even though you don't always see it because it's behind a mask. Everyone who cosplays, thank you very much. The Norwich Star Wars Fan Club, you guys are there all the time. And just thank you. You are, you are amazing. Um, the celebrities who are there, you know, the cast and crew, the actors who are there, you know, are not for one second thinking that you're necessarily listening to this, but the fact that you're there at our celebration, being part of it and keeping the whole spirit alive, being there, doing the autographs for the autograph collectors, doing the panels, you know, thanks, man. That That is awesome. That is really, really cool. The volunteers, all the volunteers who work behind the scenes, you know, squaring everything away from the security to the baggage check and showing, you know, where, where to go and do this and the other. That's great. The guys on Rebel Scum, the people who are squaring away some of the threads, you know, the what to do, the, the badges, the, oh, you know, the, we're in this hotel, we're in that hotel, we're doing this, we're doing that. 
The Rebel Scum whole element of um, of Anaheim was really, really good. But thank you in particular, as well as to Order 66, who, you know, we could talk about and just say how amazing they are, the guys from Bounty Hunter Collection podcast, Sky and Steve, it was an absolute pleasure. The droid builders, amazing. Incidentally, the air hostess was called Terry, who was from Lincolnshire. Um, yeah, thanks very much for bumping us up. Uh, and as we've already said, Jason and Katie... But the Star Wars community as a whole, what were there, 40 to 50,000 people who every single one of them, I felt comfortable to say, hey, here's my camera. Can you take it and take a photograph? I didn't hear of any crime or any issues or anything like that. There was how many times will you have that many people who are all in unison, all there as a celebration? Um, You know, there were no police. There were no issues. It was just everyone doing the same thing with the same goal the same spirit and it was just amazing so the final thanks is to the Star Wars community as a whole it was amazing can I just add Michael Ritter as well I forgot about him and he had the best pin and Jez as well as all those thank yous I think you've got a few more to mention regarding your marathon run yeah I really have mate I really have the uh, the way the forum has taken this on and actually the wider forum as well because there were people outside of forum and on the Facebook group it's just been unprecedented this year has been amazing first of all I want to thank Ed um, for allowing me to, to put this prize draw on the main area on the main threads of the forum so Ed thanks very much indeed um, all of the participants everyone who's donated it's just been crazy as I said about £512 plus people who have said look have some money but I don't need to be in the competition because I've won them before thank you so much but in no particular order Rich McLean for your mint and sealed box Ewok catapult thanks very much Ian Sanderson for yet again supporting me uh, and donating the Leddy um, plaque which is brilliant Mumbo for sending your stickers and the Emperor Baggy thanks very much indeed Tundra believe it or not giving a 12 back Stormtrooper reseal what a fantastic prize Grant for your bootleg your Mexican bootleg which was still on the stalk thank you very much indeed Rich for your Mark Bellamer book which you're posting I believe you're posting to the States thanks very much Sublevel Studios for donating three prints three amazing prints thanks very much mate really appreciate it yet again Savory 100 for giving me the t-shirt Gus and Dunk we had them on earlier on and those guys signed the book for me signed their collecting book quite frankly amazing Bill McBride the guy who had the Vader collection and the proper coin the coin everyone was after the limited edition coin Bill gave me one of those which I was able to add to the Anaheim swag thanks very much DB94 Colin you've given me um, the Lego sets that's amazing and Lee Lee give me all those amazing autographs including James Orgrup Jones thanks very much Frunkster Frank Thank you very much indeed for the Tri-Logo reuse and uh, the the card with the bubble on and the loose reuse figure and Dublin Jeff for the loose figures for the Han and the uh, the Hanhoff and the Chewy. These are just some of the prizes which I was getting in. Guys, it was amazing. So thank you so much yet again. Thank you, Star Wars community. You guys are amazing. Right, so for the final time, it is goodbye from the Star Wars Forum UK podcast. But be sure to join us again next month 
for more vintage goodness as we kick off the Vintage Rebellion podcast. So, looking forward to that, boys. So, Grant, farewell from SWF UK podcast. Yeah, it's been great. Looking forward to the Vintage Rebellion. Pete, good night. Yeah, good night. See you later, Jez. See you next time, guys. So excited. And goodbye from Rich. Later, guys. And it's good night from me. And remember... Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All the original content of this podcast are the intellectual property rights of Star Wars Forum UK. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swfukpodcast.com. At gmail.com. If you don't like this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Teddy! Thank you so much, Chris. No problem, no problem. We're there. I'll be listening to your podcast. Cool, we got to do something. Yeah, I don't know. Any questions? You guys going to be around tonight? Fuck yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's go, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, but Mark is sorry that we didn't have a chance. It went so fast. Don't worry about it. It was the most entertaining panel, I think. More than Pete. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. And to coin a phrase from Bernard Manning, I think they're beautiful. That'll do. Right then, moving on. Um, was that Bernard Manning or someone else? It was Bernard Manning, wasn't it? No, it was that bloke who did the chicken. Yeah, wasn't I thought it was Bernard Manning. Bernard Matthews. Bernard Matthews, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bernard Manning was, was the uh, racist, was sexist comedian, <laughs> wasn't it? Can I can I try and do that again? No, that's good. We'll add this <laughs> bit to it as well. <laughs> Bernard Manning, I saw him in stand-up. He was really rude and offensive. He is, mate. Yeah, that's what he's running out for. I don't know whether he talks about chicken twizzlers, though. Beautiful. <laughs> no, we'll keep that and we'll just drop it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep that. We'll make Jez look like a right fool. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> keep it forever.